can I ask you something? Sure thing. Shoot, Timmy. Danny. Danny. You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. Uh, Danny, this isn't Russia. Is this Russia? This isn't Russia, is it? Nah. Gunga Balunga. And I say, hey, Lama. Hey, how about a little something, you know, for the effort, you know? Get fresh, you're playing golf today. No, I'm not, Grandpa. I'm playing tennis. You're playing golf, and you're going to like it. What did you shoot today? Oh, I don't keep score, Judge. Oh, well, how do you measure yourself with other golfers? My height. Oh, this is the worst-looking hat I ever saw. Well, you buy a hat like this, I bet you get a free bowl of soup, huh? Oh, it looks good on you, though. You want a hamburger? No, cheese. I want a hot dog. I want a milkshake. I want potato You'll chip. get nothing and like it. Well, the last time I saw a mouth like that, it had a hook in it. So, what brings you to this uh, nape of the woods, back of the wave? How come you're here? It's to get your foot off the boat. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! Hey, everybody, we're all gonna get late! <laughs> It's time to be the ball, gunga our galungas, get nothing and like it, and make $14 the hard way as we celebrate the 40th anniversary of what is arguably the most quotable movie of all time, Caddyshack, on this episode 10 of Opening Weekend. Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Read it R. I'm Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear friends Fred Berman and Dan Matisa. And this week, we travel back in time to the summer of 1980. At the box office, the Empire was striking back, Airplane was flying high, and Jack Nicholson was huffing and puffing and channeling Johnny Carson as the axe-wielding star of Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. But one classic released that year had yet to catch fire with audiences. Shot over the course of 14 swampy weeks at an actual country club in Florida, Harold Ramis's Caddyshack was ostensibly the coming-of-age story of Michael O'Keefe's Danny Noonan, a young caddy from a large Catholic family, hoping to win a scholarship by rubbing elbows with and carrying golf clubs for the elite members of Bushwood Country Club. But the movie was hijacked by a brilliant quartet of high-profile stars giving stellar comedic turns. Chevy Chase as waspy, well-to-do golfer Ty Webb, Ted Knight as the hysterically privileged and oily Judge Smales, Rodney Dangerfield as self-made businessman and crass interloper Al Cervic, and Bill Murray as the totally inspired, completely deranged gopher-hunting groundskeeper Carl Spackler. The film had ramshackle energy to spare and its fair share of gross-out gags, but it failed to make the impression that Animal House did two years earlier, earning only $39.8 million during its initial run. Thanks to the twin entertainment revolutions of the 1980s, however, home video and pay cable, the film quickly gained cult status and is now considered a bona fide comedy classic. Now, before we engage in our deep dive discussion of the film, we were lucky enough to chat with a very special guest, Peter Burkrot, who played Angie D'Annunzio in Caddyshack. And we're going to share our conversation with him just a little bit later. It was really, really fun. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy it a lot. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, Fred and Dan, where were you guys in the summer of 1980? I was eight years old. 
and I was all about Empire Strikes Back. Everything, everything was Empire. I remember yeah. I had, uh, God, I was just, I, I mentioned last week, I've been watching Freaks and Geeks with the kids and one of the characters, the main character, Sam Weir, in his locker, he's got the Time Magazine cover from mm. Empire. And I remember, oh God, that issue changed my life. I remember when that came out <laughs> and that probably came out in April or something because the movie came out in May, I believe, right? Yep. May 21st. Yeah. Um, but that summer was like my, I turned eight that summer. My birthday party was Empire Strikes Back themed. Um, and by mm. themed, I mean like we had a cake that said Fred destroyed the empire. Um, you had we all these to, theme cake. You had like Fred found the, you, you, found the Lost Ark, you, were, yeah. you were like, you know, you were like that first, the very beginning of that. <laughs> of every what? Of, of every child cakes? is special. <laughs> of every child is special. <laughs> And get surprised. You were the beginning of the whole you, cake trend. You no, no, you're the coddling and the, you know. Fred destroyed, the, did you know? Fred destroyed the Death Star. He found the Lost Ark. Well, he killed yeah. a Nazi in the backyard. <laughs> that was actually Bigfoot. He saved the whole town. Let's well, make I, him a cake. I didn't have friends, so my mom had to give me he, nice he's, cakes. He's a VW bug who's going bananas. His name is Herbie. <laughs> Uh, he's the fox and the hound. Don't that's you know? all it was. It was, just, it was just the Don't cake. You know. No, I think uh, it's so adorable. What really was your do. favorite of all the cakes? Let's rank the cakes. Yeah, Number I one. Think, I, I think my favorite was the graphics. Th- it was definitely Number the Raiders one. one. The Raiders was the best one. Of course. I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah. There was a Raiders one. There was an Empire one. I know I had one. We went yeah, to go see Octopussy. <laughs> Please I don't want to tell t- me you had an octopus. I want to tell you about that kid. Oh, I, have oh a, I have a picture of it. No, I think it was like that's amazing. It was like double 007 Agent uh, Fred Berman or something. <laughs> I, 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 I have a picture of it. I'm pretty sure somewhere. It was that's nothing. so funny because Octo- that was the same summer as Return of the Jedi. I'm shocked that like Return of the Jedi <laughs> got sidelined in favor of Octopussy. Well, I mean, it wasn't called Octopussy. I guess you. I guess you're the right age. At that point, it was, I'd it was the time yeah. you were getting more interested in the concept of eight puss. Right. <laughs> I mean, the, the Sarlacc pit was sort of like an octopussy. <laughs> you were confusing the Sarlacc pit for actual octopus. That's oh what it was, which God. I still do today, which yeah. my wife's like, why are you calling it the Sarlacc pit? And I'm like, yeah, it's just, it's something, I, it brings oh, me no. back, it brings me back. Have some of this cake, it'll help explain. <laughs> So, Flip it over. It's continued on the back. So, <laughs> yeah, that was my that was my summer. I was, uh, wow. I was I was all about Empire and. Uh, I remember your parents also like when Freddy Krueger came out. They got you everything that said Freddy this and Freddy that. Right? Oh no, oh. my my dad would do that with anything. Anything that said Fred, he got me. Like for that's <laughs> oh my god, like the little license plates or anything that had the word Fred on it. Um, and I always felt bad because my sister's name is Simona and. It's mm-hmm. it's it's a beautiful name, but it's an unusual name, and, and there was it. never anything. So she had nothing. So my so she was always like, "What the fuck, Dad? How come like, <laughs> you know?" He'd come home with like a license that said Simon and like draw an A on it or something, or like Simone. Oh, but, um, he tried so his best. Was, really, yeah. Sweet. I always felt That's a little bad, sweet. but yeah. Oh, anything that said Fred. Yeah, she's like, was, why do I not get a, a an autographed picture of Gopher from Love Boat? Just because <laughs> my name's not Fred, like Fred Grandy. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. There have been a few people who said that I resemble the great Fred Grandy. You kind of, you're much more handsome. Am I though? I don't know. He was Former congressman as well, was he not? Or senator? One or the other, Fred Grandy. I I actually (laughs) worked with his- You decide. (laughs) I worked with his daughter. 
She's no. a very, very talented singer. Now and that's actress. a name. Candy Grandy? I don't know what her name is. Or Brandy uh, Grandy. No, she's wonderful. She's and 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 I believe her brother, his son, is actually um, I want to say he wrote for The Office. Oh my God! Yeah, oh. he was. He's a he's a screenwriter. I want to say I'm not. That I, I name is familiar. No, that is familiar. Yeah. I want Grandy the was his name. <laughs> yeah, the, the Office constantly, and Grandy does feel like a name that comes up. Yeah, in the credits yeah. A lot. No, very talented family. Very talented family. Well, Good for them. Boy, who knew? Who knew? Yeah, I was going to take us down that road. Yeah. Well, but Dan, just, do you remember 1980, or were you just too? Were you just too much of a wee slip of a thing? <laughs> this is actually a great one of the greatest summers of my life. Wow. Um, wow. My parents had just gotten married. That sounds <gasps> oh. crazy to say, but <laughs> no. my dad, my stepdad and my, my mom and my stepdad, who I called dad, my father right. passed away when I was a little baby. But so my, my mom and stepdad, um, July 19th. So 40 wow. years ago. So that's what we were just coming out of. So Caddyshack wow. came out, you know, Couple of days after that, so we were just we were the As whole a celebration was, of their love. Exactly, that was what, that's what that movie exactly. was. It was the greatest summer, you know. Probably more because of Caddyshack than their wedding. No, I'm just kidding. Was no, it a Caddyshack themed wedding? Oh God, how I wish. <laughs> what was the cake how like? I, yeah. how I what wish. was the cake like? What did it say? It wasn't. It would. It it, it was. If, Either a golf ball or a Death Star that looked like a golf ball. No, I'm just kidding. No, the the um, you should have had my mom make the cake. See, that would have been would have uh, been a big gopher. That would have and a topless Cindy Morgan. <laughs> That's a his and hers cake. Perfect. No, exactly. Those cake. are the little the cake toppers. Yeah. Um. No. The uh. Yeah. It was at the uh the uh, Colonial Country Club in New Jersey, and it was oh. a wonderful uh it was a wonderful time uh that we had, and uh yeah, I had a dad. Oh, I had a dad God. again. Damn. You know what I mean? It was crazy. So I'm, getting, I'm, getting, like I'm getting a little for right I know. now. I know. Six going on seven. And oh, all of a sudden, wow. boom, I had a dad. And a week later, I had Judge Smales. So <laughs> I didn't see Caddyshack until much, much later on TV. But um, the world had Judge Smales. And that it was a it was a great day for the world. So that's, where, that's where I was. Really and was. and I asked my, I called my parents the other day and said, uh, uh, you know, to wish them happy 40th anniversary. Oh, and, wow. uh, um, I said, what, you know, what are your memories? And they told me their memories of the day. And I said, my greatest memory is my sister and I walking you down the aisle because we, we walked her, we were on either side of her, walked my mother down the aisle, wow. um, to, you know, my new dad. So that was, wow, uh, that was wonderful. really, was Kenny really, Loggins playing really in the background. Cool. Yeah. And he said, I'm all right. That is a brilliant song, by the way. We got to oh talk about that song. We'll talk God. about a lot of things, we but that song is brilliant. That's, uh, that's amazing, Dan. That's, that's very, very sweet. The fact that you, you, you had a dad. That's amazing. That's Thank you. And, that is beautiful. Uh, Thank wow. you. The I see. Gift. I can't top that. I should have let you go last. I no, shouldn't have said, I don't speak to either of them anymore. I just, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, they're wonderful. Yeah, what did you do in 1980, Jason? Did you draw yeah. a comic or something? Yeah, yeah. I did. I or drew, read I, Mad Magazine. No, I wasn't <laughs> allowed to read Mad yet. But <laughs> I, was, I, I was too, it was too risque. That no, was my was, first Mad Magazine in 1980, actually. Because Raging, Raging Bull came out in 1980. Oh. I mean, it was the Raging, it was Raging, Raging Bully, Bully, I think. Yeah. 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 <laughs> No, I didn't. Yeah, I wasn't allowed to. I would, I would, I would take Mad Magazine off the shelf. Like I remember, it must have been in '79 when uh, Superman came out, and there was the Mad parody the following spring. And I remember like wanting to get it, and because it had Superman on it, I didn't know yeah. what Mad Magazine was, and <laughs> I, I grabbed it, and I could see. I didn't even know what it meant, but there it was Superman flying, and he's holding Alfred E. Newman, and and Alfred E. Newman 
as vomiting into a bag and it says super barf bag. I didn't. I don't even think I knew what the word barf meant. I didn't know why he had a bag in front of him, but it said super barf bag and he was throwing up. And so what I, but I knew it was probably something that my mother wouldn't like. So when I picked the magazine up to show, I strategically put my thumb over the bag as if she wouldn't know what it was. And then she was like, what's that? And then she like moved my thumb and she was like, yeah, we're not getting that. Oh, you were right. And I was uh, on a bowling team that, uh, you, you know, think of were? You. I was in, it was Get like second, it was like third grade. And I, for the summer I was on a, in a bowling league and, um, How'd you my, do? What was your, what was your, uh, I have no goddamn idea what my guy knew. I had like a little t-shirt and that said I was up in a bowling league. Did you have a I satin jacket? The, I was not, no, I was not. I mean, I had a pink ladies satin jacket well, from of course. Greece, but no. I do you remember not. your team name? We were the toilet bowlers. Isn't that witty? <laughs> the toilet Bowlers, you get it? I really don't remember what we were called. I think it was like something like the Mavericks or something. Because <laughs> you were a big like, fan of James Garner at that age. <laughs> there was like a horse on the, on, you know, yeah, I don't know. So of the course, because what, what else says bowling like horses, like rodeos? I, look, I don't what? know. I didn't, I, you know, I wasn't in charge of the Speaking, design. But, God, I mean, <laughs> but speaking but of bowling alleys, that just throws me back. Like, so good. We were talking about my birthday party, talking about bowling. I'm I'm just having this flashback. So many, at least for me, so many birthday parties at that age were held at bowling alleys. Yes. And bowling alleys back in 1980 were very different than the bowling alleys. Like we had my son's oh, yeah. birthday party at Bowlmore a couple of years ago. And then <laughs> the, the bowling alleys were very different. I mean, like you had to go to get to any bowling alley. You normally had to go down, down like a flight of, you know, stairs. There was always a bunch of guys smoking there. Yes. I mean, it was. The wood paneling, the carpeting. You could yes. smell an old bowling Bowling alley. It was maybe year. like an right. like a, a Miss Pac-Man or like a, or like a Pong yeah. game there, but yeah. like it yeah. was slightly scary. Yeah, you didn't yeah. know if like if the Mavericks bowling team was going to show up <laughs> to start roughing things up because there'd be a rumble if they did. I would do. You know, my mother and father bowled. My new dad. They were they they met through you know bowling friends. Oh, so like really? bowling is in the blood. You know what I mean? Like wow. there, it's in the blood in my family. It's in the blood in my part of Jersey. So I mean that was. I grew up in bowling alleys, kind of, because wow. I would have to go with my mother when she had a league bowling. And they, oh. at that time, bowling alleys had daycares in them. So I what? literally, yes, you would go to like a playroom and there was a person hired how? to watch the Where, kids. How could the kids sleep? There's just consequences. Oh, it wasn't to sleep. It wasn't to sleep. It was to play with What do you do for nap time? It was to play with toys, or in my case, to be ridiculed and beaten up until <laughs> I said, Mommy, that boy made fun of me. And she'd go, Come on, let's go. And she'd get me a hundred thousand dollar bar before it was called the hundred grand oh, bar. Remember, yeah. she's called the hundred right, thousand yeah, yeah, or, or a Charleston Chew, one or the other. And then I was fine. Charleston and then the weight game. You remember the Reggie <laughs> no, bar? The who? The Reggie bar that came out that was in yes. 1980 as well. Reggie yes. Jackson born on my birthday. Yeah. We shared. I used birthday. to go when I we would go to Montauk and I would go to the corner store and I think I talked about this first episode and I would go and I'd get the Empire Strikes Back trading cards. Yes. Uh, I get those and I'd always get a Reggie bar. That was my favorite. Reggie about, bar, about good a, chunky bar. Loved Reggie bars. About ten years ago, my uh, my mother moved in with my grandmother. They got a new refrigerator. When they're getting rid of the old refrigerator. 
in the freezer, there's still a Reggie bar that was You're in there. Fucking yeah, kidding like, me! Out. Like encased in the ice, like Captain America. So like a Jason, you're bar. kidding me. <laughs> no. Do you know how much that would? You put it, put that on Craigslist. It was like it. As soon as it came melted out of the, it, disintegrated. It was so. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I mean the the, 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 uh, the packaging just to say, you know because it was like so. There's a Reggie wet. bar, Yankee Stadium, and the little the the, the little museum yeah, they have yeah, there. And sure, I remember I yeah. took you I could took have my sold son. it to the Yankees. Yeah, I was so excited about that Reggie bar. I was like, Ben, Ben, look, look. He's like, what? It's a candy bar. He's like, why is there a candy bar next to these baseball bats? It's Mr. October. He's like, that means nothing to me. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what do you think a Reggie bar would have looked like if that was thrown into a pool? Oh. Oh, And now we got a segue. This week is uh, is very special, not only that it's the 10th episode, but it's also our first uh, guest. Peter Burkrot, who played Angie D'Annunzio in Caddyshack, uh, is actually has a, a connection to you, Fred, right? That's how we, yeah, that's how yeah, we yeah. met him on this podcast. <clears throat> yeah, and, uh, we met doing um, uh, Biloxi Blues way back in, uh, God, I want to say 97 or 98. And it was in Massachusetts. I was playing the role of Eugene Morris Jerome and we met, he was playing the role of Epstein and um, yeah, we showed up. It was all of us from New York and we got to the first rehearsal and the guy playing Epstein wasn't there yet. And we were like, Oh, where's, who's playing Epstein? The director said, he's a local actor. Um, He used to do (laughs) movies when he was a kid. Uh, in the eighties. And I was like, Oh, what, what movies? And he's like, well, he was this blah, blah, Caddyshack. And I was like, wait, wait. And like the Richard, you know, the record scratch. <laughs> and like, Whoa. And I immediately knew just from the age of the character who's playing and just doing math real quick. I'm like, he had to, be, he, it's gotta be Angie. It's gotta be Angie, the kid with the baby Ruth. Um, and then yes. he walks in I'm like, Holy shit, it's Angie. Yeah. Uh, and he was a great awesome. guy, you know, fantastic actor. And, um, yeah, he's very good in the movie. He's excellent in it. He's yeah, he's great. really, really good. He's, he's great. Um, yeah. So, but then we, but then we got reacquainted years later. We both do audiobooks, and uh, I was like, "Oh my god, Peter, how are you doing?" And so this, this worked out great when we. Uh, yeah, a great guy. Yeah, he was great. Yeah, he, was, yeah. he was awesome. Peter is uh, not only responsible for that baby Ruth bar <laughs> making its way into the pool, but he was also the uh, caddy who found himself on the receiving end of. Bill Murray's pitchfork in the famous Dalai Lama scene, which is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. And he's really, he was terrific in the film. He's a great guy. We had a lot of fun talking to him and we were really grateful he could spare some time for us. So uh, now let's share some of that interview with him. We spoke with Peter last week from his home in Massachusetts. So uh, here now is our interview with Mr. Peter Burkrock. So just going back, how did Caddyshack happen for you? Well, I, th- I think I'll start by closing the door because I can hear the cat, my wife and the cat chatting. Hold on. That's perfect, though. Silly. I love it. Okay. While he's gone, Dan, don't fuck this up, Dan. I, I have been right. obsessing. Well, obsessing. I'm back. I know you have. So, I've, obviously, I've never told any of these stories to anyone before. <laughs> so, I'll have to try to remember. Let's see. Where was I? How did it start? How did it start? So, I was... Um, I got, I went to New Paltz. That's where I went to school in 78. SUNY New Paltz. I was a theater major. John Tatura was there. His cousin Aida was there. Todd Thaler, you must know, because he's yeah. fantastic. He was there. I mean, it's amazing, amazing. If, you, if any of you from LA, Mariko, uh, Ballantyne, she's a big casting, a big casting mm-hmm. She's four or nine, whatever. But she's, <laughs> she's, she, anyway, it, it was a great theater school. 
And um, I was there and, uh, but I wanted to, I was, I, I had started acting when I was a kid. I mean, I was there as a theater major. I'd started acting, I was 12 when I, I started going to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts for the Saturday program, I took the train in from Bayside. So by the time I was in college, I really want, you know, summer stock, there's the seventies, all the big stars went to do summer stock. And people talked about that was a great way to pay your dues. You know, I did everything. I was working backstage. Which theater was this? This was the Berkshire Theater Festival. So the first year I was there to make a long story interminable. So we might as well add a year to the story. The first year I was there was just all these amazing people, you know, Joe Woodward, Shirley Knight, you know, David Selby, Tony Roberts. And, you know, I did all, I, I paid my dues well enough that um, I decided I wanted to go back the following year. The following year, I didn't get hired. I was, I wanted to get a job, but nobody would hire me. And I was really, I mean, I, I tell the story, this part of the story, because it was, I was early enough in my life and career where I was super focused. Like I was, you know, it was just like, this is what you do. You take acting classes, you do go to high school, you do your plays. I had an agent for a little while when I was in high school. So I was all into it. So I basically talked them into letting me come back, even though they hadn't hired me. Um, I said, I will be a, an employee. I'll work for free. You don't have to pay me, but just let me. I said, I put all the scenery away last year. I know where all the flats are. I did. I said everything I could. She found <laughs> sure, I'll come back. And of course, Fridays were depressing because we'd all meet and everyone would get a paycheck except me. Um, oh but that was God. the year that, you know, I, um, a lot of stuff happened that year. Um, but Tom Hulse had just, he had done, um, Equus on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't play the original. He just finished a run of that. And then he did Animal House in 78. He played Pinto. Right. So he was up there doing a show and, uh, Tom Hulse and I became buddies. I hung out with him a lot. He was wonderful. He was a sweetheart. He was the one who came to me one day and said, how'd you like to audition for a movie? And I was like, I'm 19. I'll do well. I'll, I'll be in a movie. It was very attractive. Very, um, <laughs> what did they used to call guys like a spaz? Sorry, spaz? Very spazzy. <laughs> now, was he, was he going up for, for Caddyshack? Is no, that no, how no. He... he was No, He had just done Animal House and they were still hanging out. They, that was a huge party scene. It was only right. the summer before. Gotcha. So they had just finished, they shot Animal House in Oregon um, the previous summer. And now this is just the summer after, and they're getting ready to shoot down in Florida in the in the fall. Mm-hmm. So he basically, long story short, uh, he, he set up the audition for me. So I drove down to New York and I met, it was actually Christopher Walken's wife, George Ann Walken, who was uh-huh, a casting yeah. person. Huge I read director. She was lovely. I read a scene with her. Do you remember the scene? Do you remember what you read? Yeah. For the audition of the callback? Yes. But, well, no, because here's what happened. The original audition was, I read a scene that was eventually cut from the movie. I read this, the mm. big scene, like the scene that Michael O'Keefe and Scott Columbia killed themselves doing, was a huge fight scene where there was, there was a whole plot that got cut. And so they, they did a scene where they were drunk and fighting and they finally make up because they don't know who's the baby, the, the Irish girl's pregnant and they don't know whose it is. So that's the scene I did, which wound up not being in the movie. The callback, it was just me, Doug Kenny, Harold Ramis and Brian Doyle Murray. Oh, wow. Sitting at a table. That was it. I remember they asked me if I knew anything about golf and I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so maybe they appreciated my honesty. Honesty, yeah. I said, my dad has clubs and balls and he used to let me carry them, but you know, so it was, it was really just, uh, 
somehow maybe I was I was less self-conscious than I felt, but they liked me a lot. It was just they, they we talked and chatted and, you know, there was no audition. It was just the th- four of us talking. And then they pulled out a picture of Scott Columbia, who was you remember at that point, he was yeah. one, on one day at a time. Sure. Yeah. Classic yeah. Italian, yeah. you know, Guido. dating Valerie Bertinelli, right? Yeah, she came up too, but I had taken the wrong drugs and I really embarrassed myself. I didn't impress her very much. <laughs> anyway, so they showed me a picture of Scott and they said, uh, this is the guy who we're casting. So looks good. You know, you look a lot like him. And, huh. you know, that was it. And I left. And then a week later, I got a call and that's. So this is the casting director from L.A. who's then calling you, who you don't even know at this point. Nis- right. Nisita? Is that her Wally name? Nisita. Yeah. She and was she- like, hi, is this Peter Berker? I said, oh, yes. Hi, this is me. And she said, I remember the conversation. It's burnt into memory like these things. She said, all right. The, all she said was the part is Angie Denunzio. It pays eight sixty five, eight seventy five a week. And it's the start date is, and I'm like, and he said, she said, and she repeated it. Cause I clearly had, I made, made it clear that I was, you know, spazzing again. And she said, the part is Angie. It pays eight sixty five, and I, that's what it was. I said, I just wrote down eight sixty eight dollars and sixty five cents. Is that right? <laughs> and she said, No, no, it's eight sixty. And then she said, Oh no, no, you don't have an agent, do you? And I said, No, obviously, I realized <laughs> at that point. So it was actually seven something with the without the ten percent. So she called me, and that was it. She just told me I had the part, and to be at the airport on September on uh, August thirty first. Wow. There's gonna be a ticket, ticket, blah blah blah. And they screwed up. There was no first class ticket, so they had a. They gave to me another favor. I don't remember what happened, but I got down there. I arrived on the thirty first. I got out of the airport. Got a. There was a car waiting for me, and I got to the hotel and I went up to the second floor to the office. The elevator doors open, and Ted Knight steps out of the business office and goes. Have a nice hurricane, guys. And he turns around and goes, hmm. And I said, hmm. I, I, I was a big Mary Tellamore fan. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, were <laughs> you? Oh, that's awesome. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, I love that. I used to stay up late watching Mary Tellamore every night. It was on at three in the morning. Dan is obsessed with Ted Knight. Dan oh. taught me to appreciate Ted Knight when we were in college together in, in his fullness. I always, I watch this movie and I'm, I'm like, oh, Bill Murray, Chevy Chase, Rodney Dangerfield. No, it's all Ted Knight. It's all Ted, Ted Knight. Oh, when I watch it again, he's God, brilliant. He's and, the only, I, and the only performance that's really directly tied into the story of the caddies and that. And also arc. the only guy who actually memorized his lines. Clearly. And said them. <laughs> Clearly he's an actor. Poor man. Yeah. Yeah. He's laser perfect. I've always said the two greatest performances of the 80s De Niro and Raging Bull and Ted Knight. <laughs> same year. Same year. Exactly. Right. It's basically the same performance. Like, <laughs> if it weren't for De Niro, he would have walked away with the, with the Academy Award. Yeah, it's amazing. What, what yeah. did your parents do? What did your family do? I mean, were they flipping out? Were, were, were you telling friends, family, everybody, I'm going to go work with Chevy Chase and Bill Murray from Saturday Night Live and Ted Knight. I mean, what was the feel? How did you feel? Oh, it was, it was like, well, you know, it was just like... Um, the feeling that people try to imagine what it would feel like if that happened. <laughs> um, I, um, no, I know that, that I, never I, has happened to me, so I can't even imagine I what I, I remember calling my mom and, and telling her, and I know she joined the pool club. She, I think she had already been a part of the pool. Maybe she was already at the pool club. This was in Bayside, Queens, but I know that she started spending a lot more time there when I, when I got cast <laughs> in that thing. And um, I remember 
getting into the New York Post. I can't remember the guy who used to write a column then. Art, it wasn't Art Buckwald. It was a guy like that. And it was like, young Peter Burkrod of Bayside, you know, will be appearing. Oh, nice. This this was like the week that the nice. movie came out 40 years ago. So that was pretty exciting. That was that was all rather exciting. Now, and got, then I got there. You know? When you got the script, because, and you were saying, and I mean, I've, I've, this is, you know, part of the folklore of, of Caddyshack. And it's obvious when you watch the movie, and I remember you mentioning this, but obviously it was a very it was supposed to be a very different movie. You yes. know, when it started. It was about yeah. the caddies. It was about the caddies. And I remember you saying a, a live bodyguard kind of movie about like this character, about Michael O'Keefe's character right. and the coming it of was, age thing. And it doesn't That was uh, it. That was pretty much it. And, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that we know about Caddyshack, you know, I found out since then, you know, I thought of these guys knew what they were doing for one thing, you know, and <laughs> turns out they didn't have to. Um, but, um, the, the script was a rainbow, you know, colored mess. I mean, they had new pages every day and it was like revision, 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 revision. But there was nothing about my character in there. It was just, I was described as the rat-like denunzio, which <laughs> they changed, I think, when I showed up and I looked more like an otter or something. <laughs> Makes sense. But th- but there was, there were no lines yet. There was no, I didn't have any scene. I was just, I was like, oh. I was supposed to be, you know, and it was, and it was the youngest brother. I was very lucky. I mean, there were a lot of people had much bigger parts and they had got all their shit cut. Mm, I wow. was supposed to just be this rat like Denunzio with not too many lines. And they had, I had the one scene with the old caddy, which turned out wound up being the pitchfork scene. But it was the younger brother. There were three brothers, and it was the younger brother who was supposed to do all the stuff that I got to do. The pitchfork, the jumping off the roof, the swimming pool, the name, yeah. all that stuff was supposed to be like the 10-year-old kid. Wow. But um, so it, we were down to, you know, by the time we went down there, we got there like three or four days before we shot. It was just Labor Day weekend. And that's also when the hurricane was, Hurricane David. Um, and they could, they still didn't have anybody. I didn't realize this at the time. So... <laughs> At the last minute, they cast Minerva, Minerva Scalza, who was who played Joey. Joey, yeah, the tomboy. She was yeah. just hanging out on the set. She, her grandfather, Hank, was the head of the Teamsters. Oh, Get wow. Out of and here. she was How just fun. this little girl who was hanging around watching. She's great. And, and when they looked at her, they said, you know what? Joey doesn't have to be a boy's name. Of course, they wrote the movie. They could have changed the damn name, but they, <laughs> right, you know. Right. And then they realized, well, they can't really have that teamsters granddaughter get her pants pulled off you know it's not that kind of movie <laughs> no so everything that the kid was supposed to do i wound up doing the built the pitchfork scene the the swimming the pool pantsing scene, in the swimming all pool, that that all became that. you that's they amazing speaking of penises they insisted i wear a jock strap no, I said well, I'd I, happily go naked, and they said not with the schwanz like that. You know, I was, you know, I was what, thinking as a that, kid, I'm watching it last night, I, and I'm like, what is that he's wearing? I, that, I don't that, notice even it as, as a much kid, as a kid. When I first saw that movie, I never understood it. I'm like, I think he's supposed to be naked, but I think he's wearing. I didn't even know. I, I, you know, I was so young when I first saw it. What I don't, the fuck I don't think is that? You're like maybe that's yeah. what people do when they hit <laughs> puberty. They put this little thing on. You're not supposed to freeze frame it that many times, Fred. You're not supposed to just keep going back and saying. When I tell you, you you joke. That's what me and Josh Klamber, because Josh Klamber and I watch this over and over again. We freeze frame that. I mean, not on Cindy Morgan. What is that kid wearing? Yes, I, I, it was a it was an impressive bulge for a for a supposedly thirteen year old kid. I tell people kid. it was the Cindy Morgan, you know, sex scene, but, it, but was it wasn't. It was the it was the pants. The Burkrat bulge. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the Burkrat bulge. We're very good. We make good and husbands. I mean, and your your first scene is the first time you're seen is with that pitchfork to your neck. That's right. But with a Which different is- 
actor, an right. actor that wound up getting replaced in that scene, right? Yes, Peter. Yeah, yeah. That's and, that's right. Right. and that's Ramus's first day. First day is shooting. it not? And my first day. So when I got to the set, my first day, they're like, "Go sit on this thing," and I sat on the outside of the Caddyshack window, the big window. Right. And the scene was: I'm talking to this guy, Ray Old Caddy. And he's telling this Dalai Lama story, Dalai Lama, excuse me. They said, all we want you to do, they gave me a box of powdered donuts. And they said, eat these donuts. Just stare at the guy. <laughs> eat, keep eating as many donuts as you can. Don't, don't swallow a bite. That was my direction. Wow. So I sat there and I was eating and I'm eating and I'm eating. He's telling the story, which was really weird. And the guy's eyes were spinning. I was like, oh, I guess this is funny. I don't know yet. And, just and was me. that Ramos who gave you that direction? Or was that yeah. Jack Kenny? Okay. Yeah. No, it was, it was Ramos, you know. And he just said, just don't swallow at all. Just keep eating. <laughs> so so I basically wound up like with about six full powdered donuts in my mouth. and wearing my black T-shirt, you know. And the guy told the story. Well, all I know is that they loved the scene. They loved my work. In fact, the, the, the assistant editor, a woman who I really liked a lot, who wound up having an argument with the editor and went home early. She uh-huh. took me into the dailies and she said, listen, I want to tell you something. She said, they cut this scene because of this guy. But she showed it to me and they said, they thought you were hilarious. I watched the scene. It was very, very funny. It was a very effective guy with the donut Dude, mouth Dude, you're face. great in the scene, in the movie. You're great. I was watching it last night. I was like, all these reaction shots, they cut to you. A, a lot. lot. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And, and you're yeah. fantastic in it. It's really great. But the original <laughs> actor couldn't get through it. Am I right? No, he, he got, literally couldn't get through it. According to the, the, well, uh, here's the, the Christian Nashawadi book. I, you know, if, you know, I, um, narrated the audio yes, book version yes, of that, yes, which yes. is really funny. Cause awesome. I couldn't get it. I couldn't do myself. I kept fucking up every time I got to one of my own lines. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, I didn't realize that, when they saw it, they realized that he was really like an actual Vietnam vet who was actually suffering from PTSD or whatever. Oh, yeah. And I just thought, this is a great fucking character. It's my first day on a movie. And he's like, and then I'm like, okay, I'm just giving my donut. Well, you ball. thought he was in character, in other words. Yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> and was it, basically, was it basically the same speech that Murray ended It was the doing? same speech, except Bill Mar- Bill added the Google Gunga, which is the classic line <laughs> right. at the end. You know, it was, it was a little bit shorter. Um, so all of a sudden, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of communication. I didn't really know. She she told me that. I was like, oh, that's too bad. And then the next thing I know, Harold, because nobody knew when Bill was coming. If you read the book, nobody knew when he was mm. going to show up. Right. So he just showed up one day and they just said, OK, we're going to do this. Go come on down. At, you know, I got a call after lunch. And I went down to the Caddy Shack Shack and they said, we're just going to shoot this with you and Bill. And I was like, well, that was, again, very exciting. But, you know, at that point, I'm just working. And Were you, you know, a fan of his? Oh, yeah, time? I was a big, I grew up on Saturday Night Live. Well, I grew up on National Lampoon. Oh, I grew great. up on Doug Kenny. So you knew Doug, my who Doug Kenny was and all of them. Wow. Doug Kenny was my absolute hero from the time I met him. But I grew wow. up on National Lampoon. I listened to the National Lampoon radio show. I had the record. You know, that's what I grew up on. I was born in... 59. So I was, you know, the seventies. This, this, this was a dream come true. Amazing. Yeah, yeah it is. Totally. Wow. So, um, all of a sudden I walk into the, sh- into the thing and I see Bill Murray's walking around looking at stuff. It's just a shack with shit in it. Hmm. And he, he pulled out a, like a scythe one, which would have been hilarious. It was like a, you know, a death <laughs> yeah. tool and he starts waving it at me. And, and I, um, <laughs> I reacted 
very honestly and really surprised to this day I'm surprised because I was such a little sycophant neophyte I just I just like I don't know, you know and I just said what at f- this point right yeah and, I, even- and he, said, he grabs this thing and I and he puts it up to my neck and I said absolutely not are you out of your fucking mind are you out of your, I mean I, I, I was like it was like in New York the one time a guy pulled a gun on me and I said fuck you and I kept walking I mean you don't really know what you're going to do until you do it that's amazing oh, wow. And so with Bill, I was like, absolutely not. Are you fucking kidding me? So he said, all right, all right, just uh, back off, back off. And he grabbed the pitchfork and he said, all right, this is great. We'll use this. I said, all right, all right. And I was still not exactly sure what was happening. And and then we shot the thing. And basically, you know, they shot it. You know, they were new at this. They were doing basic. Yeah. You know, they did a master shot. Then they did over his shoulder, look at me. And then Mm -hmm. they did my shoulder, look at him. So that's why I'm in there so much. But my reactions were absolutely... I mean, I wish in a way I knew a little bit more because, you know, I learned after I did Caddyshack, I learned more about playing actions and being, mm-hmm. you know, I was, I was pretty good about being in the moment. I had really good instincts. I, I started taking classes when I was t- 13, 12, 13. Um, so I at least knew that the best thing I could do is make eye contact mm-hmm. and respond as honestly as possible. But yes, I wasn't real. Right. And, and the way, and what happened to me, which I found out was that when I was nervous, I giggled, which I mean, is, that was all totally, absolutely natural, but it's, fan, awesome. which is fantastic. That honest reaction is fantastic. I love that moment where the, the pitchfork is actually touching and you almost it's laugh right because you're like, well, what the fuck? You it, are like, fuck. it was like, I was very sure oh my that God. it was going to pierce my neck. It's, it was seven hours. It took seven hours oh to shoot that. God. I was wow. going to ask you about that. Why seven hours? I read that in the book and I, I went, f- are you kidding me? For I think because, what? well, I think it was Bill's first day and it was like, they yeah. had been waiting weeks for him to show up. Yeah. And suddenly he's there and they can do every possible thing that he needs to do. Did so, and I think they were new at, you know, just like, yeah. they, you know, they could have probably like, it's like new writers. You can write a 300 page book, but you write an 800 page book. And he's but working he, out the speech also as he's saying it, like he's literally he working like, out the character. That's what I was curious about. Oh, like, he was is that in character. He, no, he was just like that. He, had, he was, yeah. he had so the he guy. He knew what he, he was, was doing. Like right from, he's basically right doing an SNL character that he would do. And I guess from SCTV or from, from excuse me, from Second City Seven, Improv Second City. called The Honker. Mm-hmm. And he basically resurrected it. Right. Or a right. version of it for the right. movie, right? So, like, I remember the one time, like, we shot this all morning. And at one point, I mean, you could see, I don't know if you saw it in the movie. At one point, I literally looked like I had, I had the plague. I had <laughs> red dots all over my neck and my chest. And at one point, I said, do you think you could just not stab me as hard? <laughs> and I was really like, Trying to figure out how to, he was like, quit Weinberg, right? And that was what he said to me. And he didn't say a whole lot to me. I mean, after that, we didn't really talk. I mean, he was there for weeks, but he was very strange. So I jump ship in Hong Kong. And I make my way over to Tibet. And I get on as a looper at a course over there in Himalayas. A looper? A looper. You know, a caddy, a looper. Jack. So I tell him I'm a pro Jack. And who do you think they give me? The Dalai Lama himself, the 12th son of the Lama. The flowing robes, the grace, bald, striking. So I'm on a first tee with him, I give him the driver. He hauls off and whacks one, big hitter, the Lama. Long, into a 10,000 foot crevice right at the base of this glacier. Do you know what the Lama says? No. 
So he finished 18, and he's going to stiff me. And I said, hey, Lama, hey, how about a little something, you know, for the effort, you know? And he says, oh, uh, there won't be any money. But when you die on your deathbed, you will receive total consciousness. So I got that going which is nice. You guys talk. No, I want. I just no, wanted to ask uh, a, a question about Doug Kenny. So you had you had been a fan. You mm-hmm. had you had um, been into National Lampoon, uh, into Animal House. I assume. Oh, of course. Oh, totally God, into yeah. that, as you know, as so many were. And then you get to meet basically one of your idols. And what is that? Well, I mean, other than at the audition, I mean, when you're down in Florida and you and you're actually spending time with him. I think he became an idol. Um, and you'll hear the same story from anyone who knew him, I think. Um, his combination of, of humility and humanity and brilliant, dark humor made him someone that you couldn't take your eyes off of and someone who made you feel like you were important. Mm. Awesome. So, yeah, he was he was very kind. And, you know, I told you a, a brief bit of the story where... I, I spent the day with the kids whose father owned the hotel, a couple of Florida kind of rednecks, but you know, good old guys, nice kids, you know? Um, and, uh, we were swimming. I found out later in a fricking quarry that was filled with alligators, but we didn't know it at the time. And I'm glad we didn't find out. Um, but at one point you know, we were just smoking weed and drinking beers and we we're all 20 years old, whatever. And then the guy gave me, like, I guess it was like a quaalude or half a quaalude or something. Well, I don't remember a whole lot, except I know that I went back to the hotel and I wandered up the stairs and everybody was in a room, Valerie Bertinelli and, you know, Doug and Ann Ryerson. Like half the cast was having a party. There was a barbecue out on the patio. I was like, I'm going to help. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing, man? And, I was like, and then I remember just telling Ann how much I loved her and, I remember Doug saying, and it was so sweet because when somebody tells you, when someone is deprecating, but in a way that makes you feel like they get it, mm-hmm. he said, I'm going to take off Burkrat saying everything he's thinking. <laughs> and I thought at that point, that's so funny. What a nice man. And, and you know, anyway, so I, I remember saying at that point, I think I must have said it. 20 to 30 times. If anybody goes out tonight, make sure you call me. I'm going to take a nap. If anybody goes out tonight, make sure you call me. Make sure you call me. And I woke up like an hour, a couple hours after I left and everybody was gone. I was like, I could have sworn I told those guys to call me. Like, where'd they all go? Like, guys, guys. I was really, I was such an idiot. And and um, I remember the next day, it was actually Ted Knight took me out to dinner that night and pretended I was his son. Oh, um, wow. We had a great time. It's just the two of us. He was oh, like, oh, oh, fuck those guys. Fuck those guys. They shouldn't wait. Oh, oh. And um, we had a fantastic time. But I remember when I got oh, wow. the next day, I realized, you know, what I had done more or less, you know, and, you know, why everybody decided they weren't going to wait for me to go to dinner with them. And it was Doug. I remember going to Doug and saying, I'm so fucking embarrassed. I got so wasted yesterday. And he said, there is not a single person here has not done 10 times worse. <laughs> right. And if you feel bad, you're just wasting your energy. It's everybody's much weirder than you are. Don't worry about it. It's wow. very kind. That's, you know? that's great. Now, and, then, and you got to have dinner we, with Ted Knight, which is, I think you won. Was, well, in well, we all went out. Yeah, we used to go out a lot with just different people. I mean, yeah. was, but the night with Ted was fun. I've sentenced boys younger than you to the gas chamber. Didn't want to do it. Felt I 
ordered to them. Because I remember in rewatching the movie, and again, I've seen it three million times, but just, you know, the Noonan, Noonan, Noonan and when he swats you over the head, rewatching that, I'm like, my God, how, how lucky and, and joyous that must have been. He just got swatted by Ted Knight. And you know what like, sucks? For you. What sucks is it could have been even better, but Michael O'Keefe got the fucking ball in on the first take. Because Ted had turned to me right before that, right before that that thing we're going Noonan, Noonan. and he said I have an idea he said I'm going to take your hat off I'm going to hit you over the head with it and I said oh that'll be fun so he did that um but it was still kind of a small move I mean you noticed it mm-hmm. and um and we thought oh this I thought oh we can do better than this this will be fun we'll do all make it a whole he wanted to make it a whole big thing yeah but Michael got the fucking ball in and and Harold's <laughs> like fuck it Print it. Uh, <laughs> Let's move on. And I was oh like, but God. we have a thing. We have a bit work. But it's there. Yeah. And it's it's such a great moment. I mean, as a kid, yeah. my kid, oh my God, me and my friends would just go, anytime we wanted to mess anyone up, we were going, Noonan, Noonan. And it wasn't until, you know, when I was much older that I realized right. just the significance of it. And then knowing you, I'm like, oh my God. Did you get to work with Dangerfield uh, directly at all? Did you have yeah. as much contact with Yeah, him? Dangerfield was great. Yeah. He was terrific. Yeah, we worked with, well, I was in the scene, we can't, we wound up caddying for him. Oh, right. Of course. You know, it was yeah. the three, so the three so brothers. Dance. Yeah. So I was, I say, right. We all yeah. danced in that. You know, it's like, well, you kids from Boys Town. Right. Uh, <laughs> Did he you know. and Ted Knight get along or no? I, I mean, obviously the characters in the film don't, but uh, I always wonder like if they, both the drug thing and there's just something about them that I always wonder, like, would they great on each other in, in, in that's, a, that's a great question that they didn't you know but who you know the only negativity that i was aware of i know that ted was was disappointed in the rampant drug use right. on the set now he was a brilliant actor and he had a son he did have a son who had drug problems had oh, a drug oh, problem wow. at the time so you know um but he was a he was a classic old-fashioned um um, trickster. He loved to play um, all kinds of practical jokes. So, I mean, there was a day I, I wasn't there, but he put his name on all the chairs. Yes. And then he would yell at people for sitting in their chair. And I think <laughs> Dangerfield, I think, got really upset because he thought he was really in the wrong chair. <laughs> Dangerfield was just like Dangerfield. He was very insecure. Oh. That's you know, what I'd he, always read, yeah, that he was, because this was this was really his first movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Dangerfield. And and everything that I've read was like he, he I, I was reading something the other day that he just, he thought he was bombing because no one was laughing. Yeah. Right. Is that funny? Like, right. It's, 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 a, it's a movie. It's a movie. They movie. can't laugh. Harold would say, Rodney, we're not allowed to laugh. We want to laugh. We, <laughs> if we laugh, we have to do it again. So, yeah, it was really funny. And I I remember that he took me and John, John Barman, who played Smale's grandson. We were both mm-hmm. 20 years Spalding. old. And he said, I got some new material. I'd love to hear what you think of it, you know. And we went up to his hotel and he put his tape recorder. He played us a tape of his new act. Wow. You know, Dr. Vinnie Bumbach, you know, it was that guy. He's like, you <laughs> yeah. know, my, doc, my, my, my doctor told me to take up jog. He said, jog five miles every day for two weeks. I called him at the end of two weeks. I was 70 miles from my house. You know? <laughs> and he's, and we're, we're sitting there and we're laughing. And he's like, Are you really not laughing just to be polite, right? Ah, it's like, no, this wow. is this is actual snot. This is, I can't do that. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, he was like, a very insecure and very sweet, you know. Um, Ted was a doll, you know. Chevy Chase got a bad reputation these days, but he was a really fun guy to hang out with. Yeah, oh, that's nice to Great hear. Great jazz and rock musician, played piano. Whenever we go out to dinner, he'd find a piano and play and entertain people. And he was doing it as much for other people as he was for himself, I think. I mm. found him to be very... 
I liked everybody, you know, for yeah. the most part. It's like he's having a really good time in that movie. There's something very, yeah. he's very there's, there's, there's an easiness to his performance. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it seems, you know, cause I know there was, you know, you, you obviously you heard the stories about him and Bill Murray sort of coming right. to blows in SNL. Right. And, yeah. but from everything I've heard, they were, they were on good behavior when, when they did this movie. And, uh, I don't know. He just in rewatching it again, he seems like he's having a good time. He doesn't seem like he's feeling above anyone, you know, which you no, sometimes can get he that. He never from acted him. like that. I mean, I remember he said something to me once and I was pithy and he said, you're really quick boy. And that's, you know, <laughs> Chevy Chase telling me I'm funny and witty and quick. And I'm like, spaz, watch yeah. this. I can be quick now, you know, but, um, now, but when was, did it, sorry, what, sorry, go on. I didn't mean no, to interrupt no, you. I'm just, you're not right. You have to interrupt. You That's know how true. Talk. So, but like, where was it? When was the point when you guys were filming when it became obvious that like, okay, we're not making the movie that we're like, right. we were originally going to make, right. you know, when Michael O'Keefe and, um, and Scott who played your brother, when they were sort of like, oh, this isn't about us anymore. Was there a I don't point? think it, it became only, obvious while we were on the set. It, it's an editing, right? It's all uh, in I how think they it was when together. they got down there and they realized that the best part of the movie was, you know, the four main comics. Mm -hmm. And there was a whole lot of bullshit, I'm sure, too, politically about screen time. And sure. you can't give Bill Murray 50% of screen time and split up screen time three ways. With, you know, mm -hmm. we were all oblivious. We were, most of us were kids and we were oblivious. I didn't know what a fucking asshole John Peters was, even though he came down and ruined everybody's day while he was there. I mean, that was the most Tell negative thing that happened. Was that. He showed up. Yeah. He's a piece of work. I've heard, I mean, I've heard a million, you know, you hear all the, um, the, the great, the Kevin Smith stories about writing the Superman film for him. And mm -hmm. I mean, those are, you can find all that stuff online. I'll but, tell yeah. you my, my why he's a dick story real quick. Please. Go ahead. I'm curious. I never got invited to the premiere yep. when it opened in New York, which wasn't a big deal for me because I was showing up in agents offices and cutoffs and cute t-shirts and saying, hi, I was in a movie, you know? <laughs> so I didn't know to be nervous about not behaving correctly. I just mm -hmm. was charming and I meant it. I was just high, you know? And, um, so I just called Warner brothers and said, my, my invitations got lost in the mail and you know, it's coming up. They said, just go to the New York office and grab a couple. So I did that. So I invited Barbara Clayman, president of BCI, mm -hmm. who was in that building where the movie was premiered. I went up to her office on the whatever, 15th, 30th floor, walked right past her secretary like an idiot. You know, she's the president of the biggest casting company in New York. Right. I walked right into her office. The door was closed. I opened it up. I waited. I sat down while she was on the phone. I said, that's okay. Take your time. <gasps> wow. And I invited her to the movie. I didn't know better. I invited her to the movie and she said, that sounds charming. Thank you. So she showed up and awesome. brought a vet Bickoff, who was an agent who wanted to sign me. And they came and I went over to see them. As soon as the movie ended, I went out into the hall to say, hey, and um, John Peters comes over. He probably recognized Barbara. And he starts chatting. I said, hey, John, you know, I never got tickets to the party afterwards. I don't have any tickets for the party. And he said, it's not for everyone. Oh. Oh. And I'm saying in front of my guests, are you telling me this? I said, oh, okay, well, oh. who's it for? The first four people? Or <laughs> I said, all right, well, I'll, don't worry about it. I'll figure out a way. You know, and I showed up and had a good time, but oh. that was all I needed. After that, I was like, you're yeah, a fucking no. dick. Well, know? the story goes, he also <laughs> didn't invite Cindy Morgan to the premiere because of the whole kerfuffle over the nudity. Yeah. You know, because there was a whole thing about Cindy Morgan right. was willing to do the nudity, but not if there was going to be a Playboy photographer there. She knew nothing about it. Yeah, yeah, she was blindsided. And yeah. John Peters was basically like, 
your name is the so the story right. goes your name is mud here unless you man, do this a little boy with a big ego what did barbara wow. streisand see in him that's what i want to know that i don't know he might have had a very big dick or maybe he was just a very good hairdresser i don't know he claims he was very valuable yeah well who's to argue that but he claims he was the basis for the Warren Beatty character in shampoo and Beatty is like no he was not yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So was anyway. there ever a sense? Did you ever get a sense or did you notice that anyone got a sense on on set that this was going to be a really, really special movie? Was there was there a sense of like, oh, yeah, this is the next Animal House or, oh, yeah, this is going to be something that people watch and love and 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 cherish for a long time? Or was the set basic was the mood on set basically like yeah, this is going to be okay. I mean, how did it feel? I think it really depended on how, who you were and how invested you were, mm, okay. you know, as a kid makes sense. in a, in a fantasy come true, I was sure it was going to be a huge movie. I mean, you know, these are, you know, I, I was a big fan of animal house and I knew it was Doug Kenny was the funniest man on earth. And he still was writing a lot of the stuff and things were changing all the time. And he was the hot hand in Hollywood at that time. Yeah. Because yeah. of Animal House, right? Yeah. Um, so I don't think, I mean, I think there was, there was a, a lot of, um, you know, having read the book that I, you know, about the movie 20, 30, 40 years or whatever it was mm. later, I realized how much Doug and Harold had to go through after they realized they had shot a five hour movie <laughs> yeah. and uh, they wow. were going to have to cut a lot of people, you know? Um, and I, I guess, you know, again, I learned about a lot of, what happened in post and from the book, I never knew how, how depressed Doug was about how the movie was supposed to be the story that turned into a fucking hand puppet doing mm. funny tricks. Yeah. So for him, it was a, it was a big deal. And, you know, I'm sure there are people who thought this is going to be huge and other people who thought, Oh, are we in trouble? And of course it came out and I, I know I've read that it, you know, compared to animal house, it, well, quote unquote underperformed or whatever, you know, it, it wasn't the, the stratospheric hit that that was at that time. So the movie comes out, it does whatever business it does. And you think, well, that's it. Close it's in three just, weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It was a, and we, we think of it as, Oh, this classic that came out that summer, along right. with Empire Strikes Back and a couple of other things. I'm like, you know, it was this huge iconic movie. Um, but obviously it does. Around when did it when did it click for you as somebody who'd been in it? When did you notice it start to have its kind of like reappraisal in the you know what I mean? Like when did you see it start to probably like when I in? got my first two thousand dollar residual check. <laughs> nice. You know, and that was, you know, this was just star HBO was barely a thing at that yeah. point. That's I how mean, I first saw it. I saw it on my, my right. friend, Josh Klammer, because parents, they taped everything off HBO. There was so, HBO and there was Showtime. Yeah. And maybe one other thing. So it wasn't until about a year later when it's, they started rerunning it um, that, and then yeah, I got the one big check and then they yeah. started getting smaller. I still get them. Um, <laughs> and it's a funny oh, sure. thing. Here's another quick story. SAG went on strike the week Caddyshack opened, oh, which wow. did two things for me. In the short term, it fucked me up because I had a lot of people who were ready to send me out. You know, I had people who were working for me at that point, uh-huh. ready to send me out on a lot of auditions. I had a lot of auditions for, you know, those teen horror movies in the 80s. And, you know, I I was this close to being the kid and uh, the son in Jaws 3. Like oh, wow. literally, like wow. this close. Wow. But you then they cut 3D. 
Yeah, I would have been in 3D. I was like, it was me and one other guy all afternoon auditioning with the director. He, and he, was, he was more 3D than you, maybe. He wasn't more 3D. He was Randolph Mantooth. And he had the same hair as Dennis Quaid, who played well, the older brother, just as I looked like Scott Columbia. So it was only right. fair. But um, <laughs> anyway, SAG went on strike that week and cl- the strike ended three weeks later. At that point, Caddyshack was no longer playing in theaters. In the long term, it's the reason I still get residuals because that was that, what that strike was about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, okay. So but, it was for the good as far it, as that movie is concerned. Yeah, I <laughs> know. Yeah, it's not exciting trivia, but it's mine. No, it is. <laughs> you know, it but is. Uh, yeah, we didn't really know it was going to get big until people years, years later so were talking about this movie, you know. And yeah, I, I certainly didn't discover it till years later. And it was probably even after because we didn't have cable. So it was probably after it came on regular TV. And there was, you know, and it was edited for television. And I still thought it was hysterical, you know, and that's where I went, oh, this is a great movie. And then years after that is when I saw the sort of theatrical version. Yeah, I didn't realize it was a big thing till I left New York, actually, because when I I left New York in 89, moved to New Hampshire, decided to go back to school because I left school to do Caddyshack. Um, And it was super depressing suddenly living in New Hampshire and, you know, waiting tables and all of a sudden when I started telling people about Caddyshack because I had nothing that left in my life except I thought that was what I was going to be and what I was going to do and forget the fact that I thought I was going to be a writer now because I didn't feel like writing because it was boring and lonesome so anyway I would tell people at the gas station I was in Caddyshack and that's when I realized it was a big movie because after that I didn't have to tell anybody I'd just go to the same gas station (laughs) (laughs) and people would be like hey this guy was in Caddyshack so, I mean, that was what kept my fucking ego from completely <laughs> burning and crashing um, during my early days in New Hampshire after I left New York. So then I knew it was a good thing. And then I used it when I needed a good tip. If I was waiting tables, I mentioned Caddyshack got $100. <laughs> I love that story about Ted Knight changing the changing the uh, the names so on the funny. back of the thing. Because that puts me in the frame of mind of like, Oh no, Ted wanted to be part of the joking. He just yeah. didn't do it in the same way. Right. You know what I mean? That oh, kind of warms my heart. Humor. You know, oh, he had a brilliant sense of humor. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, and the yeah. thing is that they actually he would do the takes. You know, don't they overshot this movie? So he probably did thirty takes for every scene. Wow. And everyone was perfect and different. Everyone huh. he was like perfect, like. He just, he just, his, he had so much fun with his character. Everything, he would find new stuff the way he did on Mary Tyler Moore. And they used some of his least funny stuff. I real when I saw it, I thought, what really? about that? What about that? It was wow. because he was the bad guy. Right. So they didn't want him to have all the good laughs, I guess. I oh, so he, he was really playing does. too. He's also playing. Oh, he was brilliant. You know? But what happened like is he'd be playing. He would be playing as a professional and right. Chevy Chase would be doing ske- you know, sketch comedy and changing the lines, mm. you know, and. And Chevy Chase wasn't, you know, Second City uh, trained, right? And, no, and he wasn't an improv guy. Ramis and those guys. So there's even a different way that those guys played. It, it's just such a great. Yeah. It, it's just such a great way to see, you know, as a study of seeing how different actors Worked, you know, from different generations, and different and, generations of right. comics, different like Michael styles. O'Keefe had just come from doing Great Santini. He's an Oscar nominee oh, at that point, right. so, so he was. While the rest movie. of us were out, you know, hijacking, you know, uh, uh, golf carts and crashing them into trees, he was taking a steam and working on his voice, you know, in his in his wow. hotel room. 
<laughs> and he's, you know, and he's wonderful in the movie. Oh, he's great. When I'm you're sure. watching it, I mean, he just he holds his own against these guys. Yeah. And he's so, and yeah, yeah, I mean, actor. he's, he's so good. Guy. He was so good in Great Santini, and oh my he's, God. he's fantastic in this. And you need you need someone who can anchor the movie because. He really is. I mean, he's the the heart and soul and he's the guy that you're sort of rooting for, even right. though he does, you know, his full character arc gets a little lost within all the craziness. Right. Yes. But he's the guy, you know, that you you have to be able to follow him. Yeah. You know, because right. he's the guy who's desperately like looking for that mentor, like who's which way is he gonna go? And he does such a great job at yeah. it. He's so he's wonderful in it. What's that sign say? No bare feet. What's that sign say? No fighting. What's it mean? No fighting. You really get beat up in that movie. Yeah, you get. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You get, you get the pitchfork. You get slammed by Brian Doyle Murray. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, know, you get the blood. You get smacked by Ted Knight. <laughs> I wish we could have smacked. You could have smacked me so much. You got your such big ideas. Your yeah, mouth is really bleeding in that scene. Is it? No, it looked like fake it was. Stuff. It yeah. really looked. You know why? I'm such an idiot. Because in those days, I thought, "Oh, I look tough. I'm going to leave the blood there." In a real life fucking situation if you had a bloody nose you'd wipe your nose <laughs> and that would have given me something to do but instead I was like you noticed I'm like I'm playing a tough guy I'm gonna just have a fight I'm just leave the blood but what happened was I, I remember I was in my little trailer rehearsing my lines because the line was what's that sign say no fighting what's it mean no fighting. That was the scene. Uh-huh. And I'm in the I'm I'm doing like basically making fun of myself because I'm going no fighting. No fighting. No fighting. No fighting. No fighting. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? I say no fighting twice and I'm sitting here so afraid I'm going to ruin it. And so Brian says, let's just rehearse this for a minute. And uh, he says, and I do the thing a couple of times together. We do it together. He goes, what? Look at the sign and think about your character for a minute. I said, okay. He said, forget the lines. He said, if I knocked you against that wall and asked you what that sign said, and and you're a wise guy, what would you say? Yeah. I said, I would probably say no bare feet. And he said, why don't you do that? And then I'll ask you Brilliant. again. So then that became that. And that was nice. So he's giving moment. it to you without saying, do this. He's letting you, right. he's, he's not letting the director, you discover but, it. It's great. Yeah. And, and there was a lot of that going also on. Also encouraging your comic, you know, your, your creativity right. too. It's, that's yeah. a wonderful story. That's a, it's a great yeah, little moment. So. So. Do you remember, uh, what it was like. I mean, when you, when you actually, when you were at the premiere and you saw the movie, yeah, just the feeling of what, what that was like to see it for the first time and the surprises or the shocks or. I loved it. It was very hard to see it objectively because I'm 20 and you know, I'm in everything. Everything I did was there. Pretty much everything I did was there. Mm. Um, nice. I was very, I remember being a little insensitive and then realizing it because I turned around, I think, Ham- you know, I was sitting with Scott Columbia, who played my brother and Hamilton and Ann Ryerson. And I was like, that was so great. And I looked at them and I realized, oh my God, they got all this shit cut. Mm. Like they, like it was Scott's movie, you know? Oh, and boy. I don't think they knew, they knew some of it, I guess, but, but there I was, I, everything I did was in the movie you know? and all the stuff that I only got because they couldn't find a young boy to play that part. So, so I was really... They I didn't really know ecstatic. to the extent what was what was cut from there. Yeah, until I they saw so. it. Wow. wow. So I was pretty ecstatic, mm-hmm. and you know, then I walked outside and met you know my friends and John Shithead, and you know. <laughs> and then I went to the party and I got so drunk. I was drinking vodka. I think it was you know the party was at the um the uh, Rockefeller Center in the rink. You know, oh, wow. um, they oh, had nice. that all. Oh, that was where the, the after party was. And it was ju- it was July, obviously, so it was yeah. beautiful out. I wound up hanging out until dawn. 
you know, uh, with Chevy Chase's brother, his younger brother and two of his friends. I remember we were sitting and the sun was coming up and we were sitting on a fire escape on 8th Avenue and whatever, 40-something street smoking a joint. I was uh-huh. like, I think it's time to go home. <laughs> you know? Oh my God. You're That's great. Thank Peter. This Thank you so much. It's, it's cool. It's, now I can get stoned again because I would have been like, where was I? What was I saying? Wait, no, oh, do it. Uh, you deserve uh, it. You deserve it. We should, we should end this Actually, interview. Actually, I got to work tonight. I can't. Oh. I got to record three oh, stories Oh, recording. Tonight. Oh, geez. It's better to do it stoned. Yeah, no, I can't. I tried once, and it took me 45 minutes to do one paragraph. Never do it again. I can't Never do it again. even imagine. It is so hard. Oh, God. I'm really lucky because I'm doing this book of uh, an anthology that Lawrence Block put together. It's all short stories. I'm doing all the guys' stories as a woman doing all the women mm-hmm. writers. But it's all like thrillers set in university settings. Oh, wow. And their books, I mean, their stories by like, Owen King and Joe Lansdale and, you know, like just great fucking stories. So awesome. that's going to be fun. That's always I have fun. to play Einstein. Awesome. I play Einstein that's in one of the stories. Oh, Einstein. Einstein. I thought you said Feinstein. That would be easy. <laughs> I just talk like this. Peter, thank you so much for thank joining you. us. Oh, this uh, was a thrill. This yeah. was a fucking thrill. Thank oh, you so much. It's good, you know, it's good for me too, because after this, you know, I fucking vacuum and then I have to pee because I'm 60 and this, everything goes back to regular. That's good. I mean, I yeah, think... You're awesome. Thank you. After, you after awesome. doing this, I think it's obvious that, hey, we're all going to get laid. We're all going to get laid. Hey. <laughs> All right, kids. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Peter. Thank you. See you again. Have a great one. See you. Thanks. Excited questions. You were very excited. You were giddy when you when when you popped on. You were shaking. Oh my god! I love when you're like, "How did that feel?" When you got that (gasps) offer, how did that feel? That's my favorite part. I wanted I wanted to hear like the story of his 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 conception and birth, like everything that led him to the moment of Caddyshack. Everything, his bris, uh, who his cantor was, like everybody, every every single moment of his life leading to the the seeing Caddyshack on the screen at the premiere and everything that followed. No, it was he's wonderful, and I'm I was just so overly excited i hope he wasn't offended by my over excitement in uh in speaking to him because i was very you know for me he's he's speaking to someone who was involved in caddyshack is like you know talking for me is like talking to one of the beatles or something you know it's like that it's so great because the movie has such lore around it you know and to talk to someone who was there you know, amidst all of the crazy and all of the drugs and all of the mm-hmm. all of the Bill Murray and the Chevy Chaseness of that movie, you know, <laughs> and having conversations with with Ted Knight and and I love and, that. That's my favorite part. The the fact that he had because Ted Knight is it now my favorite part of that movie and and was not necessarily when I was a teenager and saw it at first. You know, I was mm-hmm. you know really into Bill Murray, really into Chevy Chase and. The, as much as I liked it, and I, I didn't gain that real appreciation for his performance until I met you in college, Dan. As, as a kid, I was the same thing. I mean, I watched this movie so many times growing up. It's it's like in my DNA. <laughs> but the same thing, you know, I, I appreciated Ted Knight, but to me, it was Chevy Chase and Bill Murray and the gopher, you know, all that stuff was yeah. funny. But, yeah. And Spalding picking his nose. But <laughs> no. 
going <sighs> through all like growing up and even as a kid, even though maybe I didn't appreciate him as much as I did when I was in college, his lines, Smells' lines were the ones that I always would say. Yeah. Me and my mm-hmm. friends would always quote those. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, it's and really I, true. His ooh. delivery is amazing. Oh, it's, like, it, it's such a God. beautiful comic creation. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Gambling is legal in Bushwood. <laughs> I mean, just his, <laughs> that, oh, God, he's so, oh, so There's so, so many. So, so good. Yeah, there's too many to count. It's easy to grin when your ship comes in and you've got the stock market beat. But the man worthwhile is the man who can smile when his shorts aren't too tight in the seat. <laughs> okay, Pookie, do the honors. When did the, the you guys that, first see it? Oh, boy. Um, uh, well, I'm going to say this. D- you know, definitely too, lo- too young to have ever seen it in the theater. Mm-hmm. Way too young. My parents would never have brought me to that at that age. I was, you know, six going on seven. So forget that. I think that the first time I remember seeing it was on regular TV, like edited for television. It's all bleeped and whatever. Yes, yeah. bleeped, right. we talked about edited yeah. other scenes put in. Mm-hmm. I remember that because if you watch some of the deleted scenes, I go, I watch them and I go, oh, I've seen this scene. And mm-hmm. then you read a little more up on it. It's like these scenes were were actually inserted into the made for t- TV not made for TV, into the TV edit. There's a scene well, where Carl drives up on a giant like lawnmower that mm-hmm. has like five or six or seven mowers on it. And Chevy Chase hops on there and they drive away. They're talking to Danny and he and he's, you know, they take somebody's other golfers are hitting a ball and then the ball comes and Chevy Chase hits their ball and they're like, hey, yes. and he hops on and drives away. That was in the TV edit. So I had all of these on a videotape. Long well, story short, about that, that said Caddyshack and had other things on it. And I watched that videotape over and over. And it probably was the one that I brought to college to share with oh, you guys wow, was probably. the taped from TV. And the greatest thing about the TV edit is the ending of the movie. Hey. We're all going to take a shower. We're all going to take a shower instead of we're all going to get laid. Which I actually think the shower one, because of its uh, absurdism, I think it's the better line. I think it's the the superior line. Ridiculous. That's a funnier line. It's a funnier line. We're all going to take a shower. I said this when we were talking to Peter. Like I still say that all the time. Like we'd, I'd be getting, you know, we'd we'd finish the show and I'd be going off for the curtain call and I would say, "Hey, we're all gonna take a shower." And people would look at me, like, "What the fuck are you saying?" They looked at me like it was nuts because one, I was saying this line from a movie that most of them probably hadn't seen, and then also I was saying the the, the you know TV. the edited for television version, yeah. the deepest of deep cuts. But you know what's funny about those scenes because I remember talking to Peter about this when we first met, and he was the one who first told me. That he's like, yeah, that movie was really, it was a love triangle. You know, the original yes. movie was really about Dan. It was about the caddies. Yes. And the big story, you know, the dramatic arc was between Danny and um, and Denunzio and Maggie. And yep. it was a love triangle there. And then that's why there's that scene when he's pulling down after he wins the caddy tournament and he's pulling down her pants and, <laughs> you know, and... um Denunzio is jumping up and looking is because he wants to be with Maggie as well. Mm. Uh, Cause I always yes. wondered, I was like, why is he, why, why is he? Yeah. That really Danny? comes out of nowhere. Yeah. But he was mentioning that all these scenes were filmed and, but he said, he mentioned that a lot of times for the, for the, the, the TV edit, they use those scenes. So a lot, most of the majority of stuff that was cut out, 
they put that back Which in they to add out with all the with all the nudity and the language they have to yeah, take they out. To they cut want out all so that. Much. They they, they got to pad it for television, definitely. Yeah. yeah, that scene always it still made sense to me even when I watched it. Just just as a as a little non sequitur of of him jumping up and looking in the window because I was like. That's just what teenagers do. Like they just, you know, right. they'd, be like, they'd be like, yeah, uh, even if a guy's just walking down the street, he's like, he's like, well, it looks like there might be a naked girl in there. He might, he might put some <laughs> effort into it. Like, he might be looking in there. So it never bothered me that he was, I was like, this is just what these guys do. They're just peeping toms and whatever. Sure. But, and that but, comes yeah, right out of Animal House too, because Belushi's doing that at the fra- at the sorority oh, house. Oh, that's right. right. Yeah. So you go, oh, okay. It's, it's one of those kinds of jokes, you know what I mean? This was, speaking of nudity, I think this was the first movie where I actually, it was the first movie where I experienced nudity because- Because you were naked watching it? I was naked <laughs> watching it. <laughs> um, when did you see it? This feels so time. good. I saw it. so good. <laughs> yeah, when did you see it? I saw it at uh, my friend Josh Klamberg's house and they had Caddyshack on tape and they had Stripes. And so we watched it there. And I, I remember it so vividly. He had sort of like a sunroom. Uh, it was like a den and we, and that's where we would watch the movies. And we watched it. And I just remember seeing Cindy Morgan naked and just thinking, what? What is going on? <laughs> you go, this is isn't allowed. This isn't allowed. I'm not supposed to. Yeah. Wait a minute. And, and that was sort of the feeling I had watching the entire movie. And when I mm, watch mm. it, now, anytime I watch it, I have a visceral reaction. Everything about it. And like I said, it was just being part of like that DNA because I saw it at such a young age. And I knew at that time, even though I didn't probably get all the jokes, it was the idea again that like this is something that the older cool kids watch, mm-hmm. you know, this is, I know it's national lampoon and that's a right. magazine that I can't, I'm not allowed to look at cause right. it's got boobs, I think in it, <laughs> but just from like the opening shot of the sprinklers going off and Kenny Loggins coming up, everything about it brings back these waves of nostalgia. Actually, you just said that's that cool. the, the, the national lampoon thing, this is not, it's funny because this does have so many National Lampoon alum, right, but it's, it's not, not a la- called it's National, not, it's not a National Lampoon movie. Yes, you're but right. But it may That's as funny. well have it may been as well have been because been. of Harold Ramis and Doug Kenny, Doug who Kenny, came yeah. directly, you know, from National Lampoon and, and, and from Animal House. Like everything, exactly. this was totally. This yeah. was everything about this was based on meaning the expectations for this movie were yep. all based on Animal House, like what they were right. like, what, yeah. because this was considered a disappointment you know, financially. Because Compared it, to Animal House, Because it sure. made like a third of what Animal House made or less than a third. And, so, yeah. and it came, you know, and Peter says that in the interview, it kind of came and went within a few weeks from theaters. Uh, maybe because Animal House, there was more of a, of a story structure. Like the, the thing is, mm-hmm. I was thinking about it. That's true. You know, I, I, I was like, is, is this a good movie? I don't know. I don't know if it's a good <laughs> That's movie. The thing. Is it That's a movie the thing. that I love with all my heart and soul? And I laugh. His, I mean, just even rewatching a couple of days ago, Kate kept looking in because I was howling. Every time Ted Knight speaks, I howl. Oh my God, I can't. It just, it, it kills me. Yeah. But is it, you know, is it a, is it a, is it a great Movie? No. Well, maybe it was because don't you people have homes? I mean, <laughs> I, I <laughs> the fine chairman. I want it now. Chop, chop. Um, well, I'll get your foot off the boat. That's the one that kills me <laughs> because I never see it coming. I it always surprises me. I've seen the movie nine hundred forty six times. Fall to get your foot off the boat kills me every time. Fall to get your foot off the boat. There was a story, and then they just got rid of it because. It just got overshadowed by these it got overshadowed. geniuses. It it, it's there. It's there. All the main, like the kind of main points, but it's really just, 
like yeah. a clothesline to hang bits with those four yeah. comedians. And that's, yeah, but you know, all it, those, it, but every yeah. bit works. That's yeah. the thing. Every, yes. every moment. Gold. And that's what people are coming for. They're not going to, they're not coming for the, you know, the Michael O'Keefe coming of age story, you know, as wonderful as he is. And he is He's wonderful. So in good. It. And I kind of love the texture of that, that, that first scene in, in the house and that big Catholic oh, family. I, love that. I, Great. I, love that. I just love it. And I, 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 yeah. I, yeah, I and you literally see him crossing over the tracks. Yeah, that's right. Mike. He's yeah. literally crossing, that's going to the other right. side of the tracks. That's yeah, right. no, it's fantastic. But it is, and then it's like it's almost like he's Dorothy going into like Oz. I mean, it's like, <laughs> because right. then it's, he goes over those tracks, and then it's just like uh, this fun house on that. Uh, on that yeah, golf they just let it go. Is, so, is it a good movie? I, yeah, I, that's I don't the question. Know. You know, I don't, but does it have to be? <laughs> my my wife watched <laughs> it exactly. with me when I was watching it. She made it as far as the Cinderella story scene and was like, "All right, I've seen enough." And I was like, <laughs> "You can't leave now." He, Bill Murray's about to do Cinderella story. She's like, "I I'm not." I, I don't think this is a good movie. And I was like, yes, it's not a good movie. It's a fucking amazing movie because <laughs> of, of the exactly what you're saying, Fred, because it's a, it's, you know, Harold Ramis, you know, rest his soul. You say this all the time in interviews. It's in that, the book that you just mentioned, the Chris Nashawati book, which is a great book, which Peter, which Peter narrates, audio yeah. book, narrates the audio book of it's mm-hmm. called um, Caddyshack, the making of a Cinderella story. And um, it's a great book, but Harold Ramis very, openly is like, oh yeah, yeah. We realized this was going to be more like a Marx Brothers movie. And when you think about the structure of a Marx Very Brothers movie, so. absolutely, you know, where you have the four, it, the plot doesn't fucking matter. It's about what is the next ridiculous thing that these, that these Marx Brothers are going to do. And when you think yeah. about the four in Caddyshack, same thing. Except the funny thing is like, they don't operate as a team necessarily. I mean, you've got no, no, no. each, each person is an island and That's they, and they cross over very rare. <laughs> Bill Murray crosses over with almost none of them. Really yeah. doesn't. He has nothing to do well, with Ted Knight. He has nothing to do with, scene with, Chevy, they added with that Well, scene. they had they had the yeah. scene that you talked about on the lawnmower was what the studio that was <laughs> right. the, because they, they did not it. like each other. And that was, uh, you know, and they were like, we have to get them together. And so they're like, great, they'll sit on that mower together for a few seconds. And then the studio was like, that's not enough. We need a real scene with the two Saturday Night Live stars. Right. And they were yeah. like, well, what are we going to do? So they went and they wrote. Yeah, and it was very much like just because it was a studio edict, you get that fantastic scene of them uh, in Carl's, whatever it is. Like, okay, shack. His house, the shack. Can I say something to you, Frank? Hi, Frank. You've been acting psychotically lately. What the hell? Why? Well, I've been a little under strain. i got to play with Smales tomorrow. Smales? The thing you do with Smales is, he bothers you. I'll take care of him. What you got to do with Smales is, you cut the hamstring on the back of his leg right at the bottom. He'll never play golf again. Because he goes back, his weight displacement goes back, and he stays there. All his weight's on his right foot. He's going to be pushing everything off to the right. He'll never come through on anything. He'll quit the game. That would work, and I'm I'm going to call you if I need that help. But seriously, no BS. You ever win a rap or anything? You know, just talk or just, you know, get weird with somebody. You know, buddies for life, I think. I'll drop by. You drop by my place anytime. Good. What's your address over there? You're around Briar, right? Briar, uh-huh. Two. You got a pool over there? We have a pond in the back. We have a pool and a pond. A pond would be good for you.
That's what's so weird about it. They all exist in their own little spheres, really. Yeah. And they cross up. They, they're, it's more like they're, they're billiard balls, like kind of bouncing off of each other yeah. here and there. And then like kind of going to their own part of the, of the country club, you know, and, and, and having their own little adventures. So it's, it's really more like, it's, it's kind of like a collection of sketches more than in, in a anything way, else yes. sometimes. Yeah. And it's the, weird. So it's not a, yeah, it isn't a good movie, but it is a great. <laughs> It is a great thing. thing. <laughs> yeah, what is it? I don't it know, but it's I love it. It's not a gourmet meal, but it's like the best burger you've ever had or something exactly. like that. It's you like, just it's like you're like, you get everything from, Yeah, you're like, what's your favorite thing from Burger King? They got that. What's your favorite thing from Taco Bell? They got <laughs> that's that. Right. You know? And that's like, right. who makes the best shakes? McDonald's, great. Get a shake from McDonald's. And that's what you've got. It's like, it's all the same. It gives you the same yeah. joy, the same like yeah. lift off, but it's all in very different ways. That's what it is. I think it's the alchemy. It's the alchemy of those four. The different comic approaches. Very different elements, yeah. different approaches. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The the different comic influences are coming from their different sort of methods, but they're different training grounds. You know what yeah, I mean? Sure. It's like Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines. You know what I mean? It's like they yeah, each have yeah. their thing. But That's a great way to put in it. In a That's weird way, they that's what makes the movie soar. Hey, just give someone else a chance. Hey, you want to be devil? Come here, honey. Hey, loosen up, will you? You're a lot of women, you know that? Hey, you want to make $14 a hard way? Ah, you, you. You're no gentleman. I'm no doorknob either, all right? I never want to see that man here again. I love it yeah. for that. I love and it for gopher. that. As, uh, uh, oh, and the then gopher. Let's the talk about the gopher. Well, here's what's funny. I, I like the gopher. I never what knew this. I never needed the gopher. Don't need it. What kind of animal are you? Here's the funny thing, though, which I never knew. Of course, as a, as, as a kid, I thought the gopher was the greatest thing in the world. And yes. that was my, as a kid, my favorite storyline was Bill Murray trying to kill the gopher. <laughs> right. You know, die gopher, varmint, poontang. And that's the thing right. that ties the it whole movie together in the end. Grimy, gopher guts. But the funny thing is, what I didn't realize, <laughs> and I saw this in a documentary, is that Originally, they filmed one scene with a gopher and it was yes. a hand puppet and it was off in the distance and it mm -hmm. was when the gopher steals the ball. That was it. Yeah, you can see it's when Ronnie Danger says, that kangaroo stole my ball. Exactly. <laughs> that was it. Line. And then, um, what's his name? Um, the, the hairdresser, producer dude. Uh, John Peters. John Peters, yeah. right. Who, who Peter Burkrod hates. Um, John Peters, <laughs> I think it was his idea because they they hooked up with the special effects. The same guy who did the same, who, who won Oscars for special effects for Star Wars. Yes. Yes. Um, that's what is right. his name? Was it, that's it, right. Was it not Stan John Winston? Dykstra. Was it? John Dykstra. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. John Dykstra he, did that puppet? John Dykstra oh, did God. it. And created the he, entire underground world of the It was Peter's yeah. genius idea to say, hey, you know what's going to string this movie together right. is the gopher. Let's yeah. get a good gopher. And so they added that all in after they filmed the movie, apparently, which I never knew. That's exactly right, because they had a four and a half hour cut of this movie because they kept it. <laughs> which I in, would love to say. Oh, God, I would love to see it. But apparently, so much of what made it so long is, A, the improvisations that just went on and on and on and on. And, B, like, apparently there's a cut, <laughs> you know, when Bill Murray is using the ball washer as if he's, oh God. you know, yes. little monkey woman. Which, which I love that he's watching like older woman. ladies. They're apparently old that's, women. A, that's, apparently so that's a half hour of improv in, wow. in one of the original cuts. But the, the other 
thing is that love triangle. So in this four and a half hour cut, because that's what hooked Doug Kenny into it. That's where he came. And that's where, you know, that was part of what was um, Brian Doyle Murray, thing, Brian right? Doyle Murray yeah. because this was based on the Murray family, right. the cat, that big Catholic family is based on their family. Mm-hmm. And the story of the caddy is based on the story of the oldest Murray brother, Ed, I think is his yeah, name. I think and, so. and, and the, um, his experience trying to get the caddy scholarship because they all used to caddy at these country clubs mm-hmm. in, in Illinois. And so, you know, can you imagine a four and a half hour cut of this movie in which a bulk of it is this love triangle between, you know, and that's why Peter said, you know, Scott Columbia, who played Tony, saw the movie and went, where the fuck is my role? It's hard to, it's hard to imagine that when you had those four superstars, you know, yep. in that movie, how anybody could ever think that they wouldn't wind up running away with it. But I'm trying to think if there is yeah, a comparable, a but if there is a comparable a movie where you say like, okay, well, it was a bunch of kind of unknowns and, mm. and it was a simple story that had like these really kind of seismic cameos that really punctuated things and lifted the energy when you needed it to and they served a function but they they were in their own world and they were still like the background to the more realistic and less uh, not as flashy a, a plot there's yeah. got to be an example i can't i'm not doing a good job thinking of one but i feel I like there are movies where you're like oh yeah there's that movie where Steve Martin pops in and has like, boom, you know, like a great scene yeah. or two, or I'm just pulling him the out movie. of the air, but right. That's, I mean, yeah, but that's like, uh, like 50 cameos, right? right? But yes. it's like, like, uh, yeah, but I, I mean, that's in a way, that's a good example of it. Hello, sailor. Buy me a drink. Oh, easy. I, I'm not a sailor. I'm a frog. Uh, that's a small talk and buy me a drink. But I don't even know you. Hey. You making a move with my girl? No, sir. He did too. He touched me. Ugh, go wash. You'll get what? Uh, no, you see, that's just a myth. Yeah, but she's my myth. No, no, myth, myth. Yeah. I think in the beginning, I would think that it was just like, well, Chevy's our star. He's going to be the guy. And the rest will be about the caddies. We don't need. And then, you know, I think they like Dangerfield, but I can't imagine that Dangerfield was someone that they thought was going to bring in, you know, an audience for it. I don't know. Was no, I think they did because his Carson appearances, appearances were so major and so monumental because he was just killing it on Johnny Carson. You remember how big that and, show was? Yeah, that's true. Everybody yeah. watched that was Carson. It. That was the only one. Yeah. yeah. And if you were a comedian on Carson and Johnny liked you and kept bringing you back and brought you over to the couch, you were a made man, you know, oh, what yeah. I mean? or a woman. And, and, that, and that was... Um, where he went because originally, and it, this makes total sense, they were looking at Rickles for that role, you know, yep. who's a true oh, God, insult yeah. comic. You know what I mean? But right at this time, Dangerfield was was his star was rising just enough that they were like, no, let's go for him. Dangerfield's perfect because even you you take Ted Knight, right? Like he's, you know, he's broadly comic and he's a fantastic oh. actor, but he's also he is like this very, very it's the Ted Baxter thing, right? He's like yeah. very, very handsome, not a hair out of place. Like, yep. you know, he's quite like a, a leading man. He looks like one of those, you know, like those uh, swimmers on the on the beach, like an Errol Flynn kind of guy, like as yes. an older man. <laughs> he's got that look about him. And then you got Dangerfield. Who, you know, Don Rickles is very different than that, but he's just kind of like a squat kind of, you know, I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's not as absurd looking as Rodney Dangerfield is just yeah. he's offensive looking. Like the, the way his... <laughs> 
his eyes pop out of his head. Yeah, his, like face, Marty his mouth yeah. goes funny. Like, it's really almost is. like saying, yeah. like, hey, a face can do this, too. You know, and it's... <laughs> And there's something fantastic about that. It's like, he's yeah. but it looks good on you. Seams. Looks yeah. good on you, though. That's sure. funny. Yeah, I mean, you know that soup. That oh god, that puts me in mind of like, yeah, seeing Rodney on a small screen in your home is one thing. Seeing him <laughs> on a on a giant, you know, thirty or forty foot screen in a theater with that freaking face must and have I blown it. people I, away. My first rated R movie that I went to go see was Easy Money with Rodney. Oh. And I think and, and back to school is still one of my one of my favorites. I love, I love that it. movie. I think it's a he's, great one. He's when he's in the right thing. And again, yeah. he's not a he's not an actor. So, but I mean, when he's in the right vehicle that lets what he does best, you know, uh, lets him shine in the right way. He's What's your fantastic. favorite line from Caddyshack? Oh, so goddamn money! I so know many, that's. Right? Um, that's a good one. For, oh, for a so long many. time, it was, you'll get nothing and like it. Because I just used to, <laughs> we just used to say that to each other growing I, up. My friend I still Nick say I. that all the time to my kids. Constantly, <laughs> they love it. I like that. It might maybe replace, it's definitely a smells line. It's probably that one. There's um so many. I, I really like don't just don't stand there get homes? some don't just stand there get some glue get some glue get some glue after she <laughs> busts the thing off the flying wasp which is a great name oh I just found this out this week his first name Elihu he's Elihu yeah. Smales yes this has to be why they picked that name the guy the slave owner who founded Yale University was Elihu Yale oh my and because God. everything's being renamed now as it should be that came up in a news story oh, I was wow. reading. And I was like, Elihu, that's the only other time in my life I've ever heard that name. That has to be why they picked that. Because what what is what's more of a bastion of like privilege than Yale University? You know yeah. what I mean? Sure. And also if you're coming from that, that makes sense because Doug Kenny, who's a Harvard guy, yes, there they you probably go. had a thing against Yale. There so you yes, because the makes Harvard sense. Lampoon, yeah, there you go, Elihu. That's that has to be where that came from, and that's now, not I in want, any of the books. Now, talking about names, we were discussing this before we started recording, but I think we should bring it up right now. Jason and I always thought it was the Billy Baru. Yes, and Dan, a, you're saying you're telling us now it's the Billy Barule. Billy Barule, another 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 great. Quotable line from the movie. Oh, Billy, Billy. Oh, well, Billy, Billy I think it's Billy, time Billy, for the old Billy, Billy Barule. And there's a- What is the etymology of, of because the, <laughs> what is Barule? What is that? There's quite a debate raging online as to whether it's Billy Baru or Billy Barule. <laughs> it's raging I, as we he, speak. It's raging online as we speak. Um, just like my rash. No, I'm kidding. The, I, I think there's probably more of a lean towards Baru because there's a there's an actual putter now called the Billy Baru that mm-hmm. that I, that I golfed. Nice. But I don't know. I don't know. It's sort of a chicken or the egg argument. If you if you about like sort of you know did the putter come before the movie? Was there a putter the Billy Baru before the movie? You know, is that was this a famous putter? Whatever. Was there an actual person Billy Baru or Baru? If you really listen Aunt to Beru. it, really, was it Aunt Baru? If you listen to it really <laughs> carefully, I feel like he says Barule. Spalding, this calls for the old Billy Barule. Two, what are you guys, what, you know, what are we, let's figure hey, out. Wait, I think this place is restricted, so don't tell him you're Jewish. <laughs> oh, that's a brilliant, that's probably the, my favorite Dangerfield quote. Kills him every time. I, I, every I, time. Dangerfield. Hey, baby, you must have been something before electricity. <laughs> <laughs> um... God, <laughs> did somebody step on a duck? Um, oh, God. Uh, 
it's the dance of the living dead. There's yeah, so many jokes just from that scene. Yeah, just from that scene. Yeah, I always killers. say again, it's not even a funny line. It's a stupid line, but I always say, so what? So let's dance. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> this is why it's tigers eat their young is a great one. <laughs> That's now a good I know, one. Nice boy. What a great boy. Beautiful boy. Now I know what why tigers eat their $14 the hard way. <laughs> oh, I love God. that one. So much. Um, what about Ty Webb? Any favorite favorite lines from Mitch Chevy? Cumstein, my roommate? <laughs> Mitch that was one of those things. As, as a kid, I was like, "What?" I didn't get it, and as an adult, I was it killed me. Mitch Cumstein. You know yeah. what I loved about Chevy Chase in this, and which I never know. You know, watching it again, and I and I watch it every so often, but watching it for this discussion, I was like, "Oh, he he's not smooth." with her you know like he's, yeah, he's like spilling like, stuff yeah he yeah. seems right. like it's like you know he's the handsome kind of you yeah. know they, they, a lot of movies at this time were trying to set him up as kind of like this you know the transition him from like comic actor into more of a leading man thing and that's kind of what foul play did and there, there are a few things that tried to like uh, massage him into leading man material and he has that kind of uh, of the comic leads in this he's certainly the most leading man-ish you know and right. you know he's this well-to-do golfer well-dressed this and that and he he gets the girl right and so you think he's going to be a little slicker but he's really kind of off his game with her and a really funny way he's nervous with her he makes stupid yeah. jokes he doesn't i found that so charming i was born to love you i was born to lick your face. I was born to rub you, but you were born to rub me first. Um, the guy who plays uh, a guy who plays Doctor Beeper. Do you recognize him from any ads from when we were growing up? <gasps> wait a minute. Oh. Wait a minute. Now my uh, he does seem like a, a recognizable character actor from that time, definitely. Uh, but I don't. Uh, I'll get his name know. here in a second. Um, Doctor Beeper. Uh, and he's funny too. I think he's really funny. Dan Rezin. Um, he was the tiny. Mass and Gill. He was the. <laughs> oh, the Tidy Bowl Man. He was the Tidy Bowl Man. He was the Tidy Bowl Man. Yes. Oh, wow. How about that? I totally forgot Tidy Bowl was a thing until you said it just now. I'm like, <laughs> shot back the 70s. Oh, he always gets so forgotten fun. about in, in this sort of crush of people who are in this movie, but I think he's very funny, Dr. Beeper. Uh, well, I'll tell you, yes. you want to you know my favorite physical moment? It's when oh, yes. they start fighting in the club and. and <laughs> Chevy Chase, Dr. Beeper's not involved at all. And Chevy Chase just goes and puts him in this headlock and starts doing wrestling moves on him. And he just goes and starts. And I keep wondering, I'm like, I'm like, that actor, was his name Dan Rezin? I was like, yeah. did he have any idea that was going oh, to happen? That I must hope have just not. been. I hope it wasn't. Yeah, I hope there was no like Harold Ramis saying. And uh, Chevy just uh, put him into a headlock. Over there. I really hope that Chevy Chase was just like on that particular take, just decided to grab the actor and just start to do wrestling it. him. I have oh, to I say, speaking it. of Harold Ramis, I mean, there is there anything more joyous than watching interviews of Harold Ramis talk about this movie, which I did a lot of. Oh, it's he, great. That guy, he's just got a perpetual smile on his face. Yeah. It must have been so much fun. Well, I mean, he must have been terrified at making it. I mean, he didn't know what the hell he was doing, but. But that's the thing. Yes, they had a lot of fun making it. How could you not have fun making that movie? Um, and I am not an advocate of drugs in any way, but <laughs> the, it, by all accounts, the sheer amount of cocaine, booze, marijuana, God knows what else, that was used by cast and crew pretty much every night in yeah. the hotel it, with the exception of Ted Knight, um, you know, who was straight edge. 
uh, you know, but everybody else on this thing was high, you know, they were all wasted and they just, and that's why this movie, you know, really spiraled out of control, you know, from, from not, uh, not out of control from Ramus, but just as far as out of control from, uh, from the plot. Maybe like one of the greatest movie theme songs ever. He's oh, good at I, I that might, stuff. I might, huh? I might have to say it. he's really good. He's right there. Footloose, Footloose, Danger Zone. Yeah, yeah, Top Gun, Gun. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think this is one of the most iconic ones of all time. You look at the lyrics so of good. this song; it's all stuff from the. You, you don't. You don't think that the. That I the song was- ties to the movie very much, but it really does. He says, "Be the ball." He says, "Cannonball." He says. <laughs> He says, pay attention. He does? Yes. Wow, you, re- you know the song much better than I, I do. Don't know, I always just thought it was a song from the radio that they used in the movie. <laughs> no. I mean, you know what I mean? I never, no. as a kid, when I heard, I was like, oh, this is just a, you know, this is a pop he song. Says, pay, he says, be the ball several times in it. And, he, sa- and he, sa- he says, pay attention to the magistrate. What's a magistrate? That's a judge. That's Judge Smales. Ooh, oh. It, it is it's all wild. about Look like. you, using all your Shakespeare interpretive <laughs> skills. <laughs> he hooked into the story of Danny. You know what I mean? He to write sure. to write the song, and that's what the whole song. I'm all right. Nobody, I'm all right. Don't worry about don't me. Nobody worry about me. You know, Danny Noonan's okay. Just let me. Why you got to put up be. a fight? Ron, just <laughs> Why let don't me you just be. let me be? be? And I love his song um, when the caddies take over the pool. I think that's another Kenny Loggins what? song. Which, oh uh, yeah, I, I yeah, don't know yeah. the name of it. Yeah, but that that sequence is fantastic. That water ballet uh, so at the funny. Village Bath Club. We did a water ballet in tribute at the end of the year. The village bath club would always do like these relay races or swimming competitions. And so we all signed up to do, you know, a swim race, but we planned ahead of time. They're going to blow the whistle. We're going to jump in. When we get to the middle, our friend was off on the side. He was going to play something on the, on our box. I don't know what song. And we did a water ballet. Oh, that's tribute fantastic. To are, are there, is there footage of it? God, I hope there is. Can we somehow of get- my water ballet? Yes. <laughs> no, I can draw it out. I can describe it to Jason and maybe he can draw it. Oh, that would be perfect. Um, that would be perfect. Yeah. What's your favorite Spalding moment? Oh, God. Oh, I mean, I mean come it's on. it's got to be picking the nose and- Oh, yeah. I always love- Ahoy, Paloy. <laughs> he was great. That was that kid's first movie. He had never he done anything. Really and never did anything again after that. And I want a hamburger. That's my favorite. I, yeah. I mean, I for nothing else, but it leads up to you'll get nothing and like it. Exactly. Um, during the entire um, scene when Smales <laughs> and Danny <laughs> no, you are know talking. Sorry. You, are you going to eat that fat? Spalding. <laughs> that was an improvised. That was a line Ramus told him to say. Brilliant. So that means Ted Knight's response is improvised as well. So good. Sorry, like, I didn't mean to cut you off. Just me, in my no, head. I love that line. <laughs> Ramus said, ask somebody else at the table if you can eat their fat and just see what happens. Oh my God. And Ted Knight goes, Spalding. Um, no, the, uh, the moment when Smales and Danny are on the golf course and he's saying, uh, yes, yes, winter rules and stuff like that. Isn't that the scene where Spalding's behind them and he's, golfing terribly and he goes turds 
double turns, double turns, farts. And he's just, he's just that, again, that was Ramis saying, you got to be doing stuff in the background here. Just keep missing the ball and cursing, you know? <laughs> and apparently um, um, Ted Knight gave that actor a talking to about that. And was like, you know, it's not very nice to steal focus in that way. And oh, when other so actors funny. are talking, he was like, Harold Ramis told me to do it. That what the fuck am I supposed to do? Oh, you know, God. Ted Knight's yelling at him for stealing focus. And it's like, the director told me to do this. Okay. Favorite moment in the movie. What is the best Mo- single moment. Cinderella when you story. Th- Cinderella, Cinderella story. Cinderella story. Okay. Yeah. I think yeah. it's so yeah. sweet. I think it's both so sweet. His fantasy of like, yes. of like his uh, achievement. It's like such a, like a little kid thing to do. And, and, the, and, and that coupled with the running commentary, that sports announcer commentary that we all do when we're, you know what I mean? Like yep. that's, I remember as a kid doing stuff and like, kind of like being playing with my sister and, like doing the sports announcer who was only giving me praise on the go when we would play some sort of a game. So I love that. And, and the fact that he's totally destroyed, like in his fantasy, he's also totally destroying the grounds. The groundskeeper is destroying the grounds. I loved it. Which is of course, you know, he does that on a larger scale through the movie. So I think yes. that's my favorite and he's probably my favorite character. Um, as much is as he? I loved oh, it. Good. I mean, I, at least he, he always was when I was kind of growing up. I think the, the performance yeah. I appreciate most is Ted night now by easily by far but yet you know i just have a a warm spot in my heart for bill murray in it what's your favorite moment fred god there's so many i don't know i I mean i immediately go to the pitchfork scene okay peter and bill because to me that's that was really where the movie started in my memory, mm-hmm. you know, that's yeah, when you're introduced yeah. to the caddies. It's such an iconic moment, that Black Knight Riders t-shirt, which I still don't know. I meant to ask Peter what oh, that yeah. meant. yeah, what is that shirt? I, I have yeah, no a, idea. I don't know, um, but you can you can buy it online, and I'm ordering one for my brother-in-law for his birthday. Get out of he's here. A huge you can buy that shirt? You can buy anything. Anything oh, you sure see you in a movie, anything yeah. you can uh, think of, any phrase from a movie, you put, you plug it in. To, you can find, the there's somebody who's made it on Etsy. My favorite um, moment is the series of moments in the entire scene between Smales and Danny in Smales' office that starts with, <laughs> sit down, Danny, and just goes through, <laughs> how about a fresca? That entire four or five minute scenes is gold, gold, gold. I just, mm-hmm. uh, that... I, I love everything about that scene. I love how it's shot. I love him sh- shoving that lamp over, hitting his leg on the thing when he turns <laughs> around, getting up and crossing his arms and and talking about, you know, putting kids in the electric chair. It's a brilliant scene. And by the end there, you know, his deadpan, t- oh my God, this is a, one of my favorite things he does. Well, just ask my grandson Stolz, Balding, he and I are regular pals. Deadpan. <laughs> Huge smile on his face. Total deadpan. Are you my pal? I mean, that's right out of the fucking comedy book. He goes so, one extreme, then the other. He's brilliant. How about a fresca? Oh. <laughs> well, happy 10th episode, you guys. Happy, happy 10th episode, episode to you guys. Yay. Yay. How this is we exciting. Did. I know. And a happy 40th to Caddyshack. Yes, happy 40th. Yes, and happy yeah. 40th anniversary to my parents. Yes. yes. Oh, that's um, the most important. important right there. The hashtag Sheila, hashtag Freela is, is rampant on the internet. It's everywhere. Wow. People are wondering and worrying about her. Um, and, uh, you know, we are too. There's no letter this week, but there is 
one call on the line. Oh. Yes, hello. Welcome to the opening weekend podcast. You're, you're, you're on the air. Now, you boys, who do you think you're fooling? Honestly, with this whole thing. With the, with the podcast, sir? No, not the podcast. Podcast is great. I love the podcast. Oh, thank you. I called you boys in week one, remember? Yeah, well, I told you I want to see bones on the list. Oh, I'll just yes. If <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You understand me? <laughs> this is Wars. the warden. <laughs> the warden <sighs> Sing Sing? I'm not going to tell you what jail I work at. Why would you but give it us it starts the- with an S. <laughs> what does it end with? Your friend <laughs> starts with an S and ends with Sing. Your friend <laughs> has been transferred. To different ward here. Oh, no. Don't act all surprised, you, Fred Berman. <laughs> Who do you think you're trying to fool? Sending your friend, Sheila, a nail file baked into a stack of cardamom pancakes. Oh, shit, Fred, you did that? I was just trying to help. We talked about it. We talked about a lot of things. Oh, you admit it now. You admit it. We are a struggling podcast. These are tough mm-hmm. times. Where it's our tenth episode. Sheila is one of our longtime listeners. I understand uh, that. What ward has she been transferred to, sir? Maximum security. No pancakes in maximum, boys. Don't try to do that again. That was just foolish. You understand? Don't send her things. I'm very sorry, he, sir. He, we Could won't, sir. We won't. Now, your other friend, JJ, I call him. He's at large. He is at large. I don't know if we would call him a friend. I just don't want. We're not he calls associated you a friend. With I'll tell you that right now. That he says Jason, my friend. I barely <laughs> talked to him that day. I didn't. That's not, I, that's not how I heard it. But the man anyway. is at large, and I would advise you if you know anything to share it with the authorities. Good day, gentlemen. Good. We, Mr. What? Oh, he's gone. That's it. And now, now you pipe in. He's gone. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was where were you with the whole time? I was trying to get any information. Were you taking? Were you just transcribing deepens. that? I mean, uh, no. I was very, too riveted. He got. He got. He got. He got a little saucy with us, Brene's. Well, <laughs> what do you expect? He's got. He, he's accusing us of sending. Did you really send her? A, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you Dan, did that, Fred. And then you know, I, I, felt I don't know bad what we're for her. I know you two have a close relationship. I don't want Sheila to suffer there. Listen, the times you got to stand up and you got to do what's right. I hear okay? you. I hear you. And just also, like we just, we, we just need people to listen to the podcast. So that's really what <laughs> it's about. It's well, all self-serving. I mean, it sounds like she's going to happen to her. I know this is a, this so, mystery just keeps deepening so, so, and deepening. So please, everybody, please. We don't know. We don't know if we can depend on Sheila in the coming weeks. <laughs> That's and right. So you you, you got to listen and subscribe. I, yes. Listen and subscribe. iTunes, Spotify, <laughs> wherever you get your podcasts. Give us, Do it for Sheila. Give us, give us five stars. Give us what Sheila would give us if she were, <laughs> if she were able. Well, not everything she would give us, but you know, not, not so much the old panties and the pancakes in the mail, but you know. But but the stars, please give us the stars. <laughs> Speaking of Sheila's, how many uh, we have to end with? How many? Um, oh, how many Sheila's? What's the maximum amount? What's the maximum? Ten Sheila's. Ten Sheila's. Ten Sheila's. Yeah, ten ten Sheila's. Sheila's. I, give it a ten. I, I don't. I don't care. Like I said, people are gonna be like, "Oh, it's a good movie." I don't care. Doesn't matter. I, this, it's this, this transcends movie. any rating system. This it movie. <laughs>
you know, if 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 Listen, it was give it, I'll give it eight 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 chilas and three quarters of a cardamom. Pancake. Now, come on, now this it's only, is it's not, yeah, no, it's got it's. I'm gonna give it ten chilas, ten Barry Bostwicks, <laughs> and, and a partridge in a pear tree. Joe Montana nut punches. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It brings me back. It brings me to a place that I like to go. There you go. It makes me the I village go. bath. The village club. bath club. <laughs> Thank you again, everybody, for listening. Thank you for being with us for these first ten episodes of Opening Weekend. Um, we love uh, you. It was a very. Uh, it was. A, we had a great time. And thank you again, Peter Burkrot, for being our very special guest, our first uh, uh, interview on the podcast, and. So grateful to you. Next week, we'll be back uh, looking at August 2nd, 1985. Uh, the films that weekend were Weird Science, starring Anthony Michael Hall and a kid I've never heard of. Um, <laughs> Fright Night, starring Chris Sarandon and a kid I've never heard of. And Follow That Bird, the Sesame Street movie, starring, Yay. you know who that stars. It's Big Bird. And, and and a host of delightful characters and probably some kids we've never heard of. Before. So that's next week on opening weekend. Uh, thank you again. And Dan, yes, please take us out. All right. You got it, boys. This was fun. I love this movie. birthday cake right now <laughs> that was amazing that was amazing that, really, that got me that got me dancing oh you just have to move with it like the gopher you gotta move like that little animatronic oh, gopher like that a I little hate animatronic. so <laughs> the opening weekend podcast is produced by jason o'connell fred berman and dan matisa with help from ethan duff thank you for listening